Good evening, morning, afternoon, whatever applies to you, and welcome to another EuroLeague. I'm joined, as always, by, of course, Scotland's favourite son, Mr Kira, and Gairu Tomioka from Demon Slayer. Ooh, oh, we're at Demon Slayer now, that's where we're at. Right. I'm, I'm sure so I'll say, you've kind of right. gone through the history of this one. You know, if you do run out of... Um, like I will never run out. I will never okay, run out. But... Just in case you need more ammunition, I was blonde for three years if you need to visit a certain period of my history. So you can go to the blonde characters at some point. No, I, th I feel like that one's on you, Nymero. I need to wait until you go full circle and show up. Right, okay, so that's on me. Then, so I need to go yeah. through my, like, Viego ruination arc again. Exactly. I, I get the idea. Yeah. Exactly. You could do a good Viego cosplay, though, Nymero. I, I have been told that. this an and awful Rich, you do, like, quite a good <laughs> Quinn cosplay, actually, as well. Hmm. Uh... <laughs> Quinn from League of Legends. Uh, yeah, Valor, caca, caca. Oh, yeah, brilliant. Anyway, uh, I take back the favourite son comment I made earlier. Um, <laughs> before we talk any League of Legends, no matter how spurious, we do need to tackle my patented Would You Rather. This one is actually not stolen from Reddit, not stolen from the fucking side people or whatever those kids watch these days. Yes, I know. It's the side men. He he ha ha. Uh, no, it's just straight from the old Dome Arena, isn't it? So here we go, boys. Uh, I have to set the scene, of course. You. Yes, that's right. You, Kira slash Nymera. You have made a post to an internet forum, which has angered the 4chan community. Okay. Done that before. As a result, they want to kill you. Would you rather that 4chan collectively try and hunt you down and kill you? Or would you rather that they hired a skilled hitman, but they weren't allowed to help him at any stage of the process or and beyond showing him the forum post? So all the hitman gets is like your username, but he doesn't get, you know, the fucking anonymous crew to you know, fucking dox you and hack into your shit and find out where you live instantaneously or whatever. So, would you rather 4chan themselves, the neckbeards and all, get out of their chairs and try and hunt you down? Or would you rather they hire a hitman? Nymera, hit me. Do I know that they've hired a hitman before he starts hunting me? Yeah, you know I the find... scenario. Yeah, you are presented with this scenario and you, you get Okay, so like, I know there is a hitman out yeah. there. I don't live a particularly high security life. I just, I'm just a dude in an apartment, you know? Um, and the worry for me is that when I'm going about my daily business or whatever, I, I order in food or whatever, it doesn't take a particularly skilled person to get access to me. So that immediately actually means that multiple people just out, out there to get me is probably more likely to cause me harm because I don't know each of the individuals coming at me. Whereas at least if someone hired a hitman for me, I could then go hire a hitman for that other hitman and see if I can off them first. So there's only one threat. Because if I live, if I was out in the middle of fucking nowhere, I'd probably choose the randomers because I don't think they'd have the skills to get multiple attacks off on me in any period of time. But if like a dozen people across like a couple of months just tried to shank me in the streets or something like that, that would probably work. <laughs> Whereas if there's one hitman, it's also not good, but there's a chance I could take them out first and the problem's done with. So I would go with the hitman based on my current life style. 
Interesting. I think you just described the plot to gross point blank, but yeah, I'm all in. I like it. I've right. never, what, I've never seen that, so I'm I, not sure it's like so. John Cusack was a hitman, and then he like tries to leave the hitman uh, life or whatever. So they yeah, send hitmen yeah. to kill the hitman or something, shit like that. I don't know. Hit, hitmanception, whatever. Anyway, yeah. Kira, what what are you thinking for this one? I'd be fucked either way. So. <laughs> The whole thing is the 4chan people would just find you and then they'd have to find someone in their like their group amongst their ranks to to actually do the dirty but I don't know don't know how many like unhinged 4chan users there really is in Scotland I know there's some so um, I'm not sure you don't you don't know them personally they're not not part of your yeah, I do know I, I do know some of them like, oh, so you know but... that there are some in Scotland <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I don't know if they would they would do the dirty, they would do the deed. But like the whole thing in this setting is like they all turn against you. You know what I mean? Like, so. Oh, you've made a bad post, like a yeah. really bad one. Do they I know? know. I, I'm trying to think. The, the hitman would definitely get me. It'd be too way too easy to find me. So, because the full thing was like a hitman can also. There's not to say the Richard said Rich said that he couldn't use these resources. You know, it's like his hitman network. He can't. No, he he can't. Like. But obviously, the thing with 4chan is they'll basically just fucking yeah, find out everything he, about you, you instantaneously, right? Yeah, he can't yeah, use that. He, yeah, but he use another resource that's not 4chan. He can do his own research, sure, but he yeah, he's you know we're, not we're some, on Google, folks. Yeah, he's not a Zoom, <laughs> uh, you know, computer genius who's going to be able to you know find well, out your location. With the Harrison's dad levels of Hitman here. He's got your forum post name. That's all he has at the start. Like he's I'm, got. I'm st- I was still. I was still way too easy to find. I, I think I'd take. I would take, try and take on the, the hybrid hive mind that is, Fortran, rather than the guy that's actually a natural born killer. Yeah. Revenge of the nerds angle. I like it. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think if you go the hitman route, though, by the time this guy, you know, figures out everything. If I knew it was a hitman, I've probably moved by that point, like out of the country or, you know, made it, gone for an extended trip to, I don't know, Bali or something, who knows. But, you know, I'm just picking the fucking 4chan. Did you like that tie sure. in there? Natural Boy Killer with the Harrison was in that film? That was not bad. Like, there's layers to this, guys, you know? There you go. I'm sure they're all <laughs> frantically. He was in No Country for Old Men, too, which is loosely, like, tied to, like, his dad's story as well, right? There's a lot of stuff. There was a lot yeah, of serial killer he, shit he, going on in would, his life. Woody Harrelson's good at counting in that film. That's, like, his character's, like, specialised Coen brother trait in that he's good at counting. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm, no, I'm definitely going for, for, for 4chan. I think this is almost, like, sort of, you know, Nymera's always suspicious if there's some kind of parallel undertone that, you know, goes into these questions. Let's just say It's the way France I think. Or, also, uh... I did an escape room on on Saturday. Like, I've got myself into the mindset. I'm but thinking... Would you laterally. turn to 2chan to defend you, the Japanese 4chan, Nymera? They'd come to, they'd come to their aid to defend one of their, their anime Oh my god, could I just fight them in a pitched battle with my allies? With your allies, exactly. <laughs> you'd, have to, you'd have to arrange that one yourself, I think. But, you know, I mean, I, I'm just saying... I'm, I'd definitely pick the 4chan one as well because I feel like it would somewhat prepare me for when. It's like, just the... one dude with a knife is enough to get you. Like, it, they don't actually have right, to be One dude with you. a knife, but one, you know, coy slash like mad a dozen fan people after with a you knife. From 4chan. There are 
dozens how, of them out there. How let's, let's just put it this way. How many of these K-Corp fans would actually be capable of getting that knife off? I'm not sure. I, I, I fancy my chances. You know, I don't know. I think these, these Spanish, I think they're all talk. You know, they've got me. If they hit the skill shot, they're accepted into the support role. Yeah. Well, yeah, quite. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think I'll I'll take my chances with with the uh, unathletic nerds and and see see how it goes. Uh, hey, but anyway, flash fitness is serious. Speaking of unathletic nerds, let's talk esports, people. Uh, and yeah, let's start with everyone's favorite uh, colored wall, uh, K Corp, because they have uh, kicked Mr. Yamato Cannon. I don't want to spend too much time talking about this because. Apart from anything else, as I always say with coaching stuff, who really fucking knows what actually happened? Like the ins and outs. We weren't there. We weren't coached by him. So who knows? But we should talk about it a little bit. Obviously, um, K-Corp have quote-unquote benched him, whatever the fuck that means. By the way, I'll tell you exactly what it means. It basically means we have kicked this person, but because of German labor law, uh, we haven't found a way to sort of scooch them out the door perfectly. So we're going to say, I don't know, maybe you'll be a content creator for a little bit. Who knows? But yeah, he's just under contract. That's all that means. So yeah, he's been kicked. Uh, Kira, I'll come to you th uh, first on this. Thoughts on uh, scapegoating Yamato Cannon for K-Corp's problems? Well, in my head canon, all the players um, on KC were the worst human beings ever assembled as five men, and uh, Yamato Cannon was the god coach, and that is the only reason that they even got two wins, and so this is the worst move in the history of League of Legends coaching. They wouldn't have been able to even log into the computers <laughs> if Yamato wasn't there to help them. So, yeah, that's my assessment of KC, and that's what I'm sticking to. Yeah. I, I think nice. it's pointless. I think it's pointless to conjecture over this. Yeah. Um, I think unless you actually know the inner workings of the team, I think it's pretty like pointless. I don't know what your Matt was doing. I've said that a million times on this show. I will not comment or uh, very little comment, very little yeah. as possible on coaching because I have no idea what they do, what they are responsible, what they should be blamed for and not be blamed for. The only thing that I know is the players are in control, hopefully, of their mouse and keyboards. Though with Hillisang, it can be hard to tell sometimes <laughs> if he's not a paid actor. So, at the end of the day... I've not got a lot to say on this. They themselves have got to figure out whether or not this is the way forward. Though something that me and um, veteran do like agree on is the same way with football teams, changing the coach is the quickest way to get a five-man lineup to work if you're not changing all the players. It's the quickest way to change the environment. You know what I mean? As in, like, if you need to make us, like, the play if you're stuck with the players that you've got, changing the coach... Is the quickest way to change the environment and you have a chance at making those five players work but that's not to say anything because who knows like they could you end up changing the environment to being worse than what but it also is. it doesn't really work so well in this particular way you i agree with the general sentiment that like new manager bounce is definitely a thing which is like super replicable but the problem is they're just promoting one of the fucking like assistant dudes or whatever. It's the French guy, isn't it? Who's just been promoted? Or did they yeah, promote that's what I'm the, a CAD coach? I, no. But like that, this guy could but, like the le I don't even know the level of assistant. This guy could have never had anything with the players and well, just yeah, been sure. and then them emailed right, and now he's actually going to be leading like drafts and all that. So it could be an entire environment like change. So at the end of the day, I don't. I, Mira, you maybe probably got more insight and more feeling on it than me, but I don't really like commenting on that because um... I don't know what you might. Have done. The only thing I could say is I actually agree with the public sentiment from like Thorn and that. I actually think for the players, the drafting, if there was Yamato, was pretty good 
in a variety yep. of games. Yep. But, I think but, it was the, fine. There we go. So it's, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, there's only so much you can comment. I completely agree on that because particularly in Europe, what even constitutes a coach wildly varies between team to team. Some are very strategic and gameplay oriented. Some are much more about personality managing. Um, and, you know, we know some things about Yamato from the various high profile teams he's been on before, but like, we don't know what that system was like in, in um, KC. I have two big issues with this. One is that there's no way in hell people not being able to mechanically play out early laning phases on the coach. That is that is not on him. And for me, that came up multiple times in multiple games, which lost them that straight out. You can tell that they tried very well multiple different approaches in terms of drafts. Um, so that's obviously something which has been addressed to say, oh, can we avoid X, Y, Z? Um, problems. So it's not like they weren't trying to strategically change what was happening in the team, which is presumably something which coaching has to have a point in and stuff like the early laning phase and some of the mechanical plays you can't say that's a coaching thing but that's about as far as that goes what i will say though is the second point which i have a real issue with is that if you're going to early kick a coach who the hell can believe they're going to have authority stepping into a team like that one thing which is kind of solid about a coach is that regardless of how their role is determined they are an authority figure within a team now, if this team has just showed that they are willing to, like, just bench someone, effectively kick the coach, like, straight out of the gates, effectively, whoever steps into that, there will always be that thing at the back of the mind and the uh, the sentiment lingering behind it, which is, if things go to shit, this will happen again. Or it can happen again because there's a precedent which has been set. Like now, this is why I'm saying... Regional takeover, you know, exactly. Stuff, come exactly in and undermine that. the coach. Exactly yeah. that. And particularly because this is a, such a high-profile team with such high-profile amounts of pressure on it, too. Um, if stuff starts going wrong again, and because, you know, maybe they have to build up some of their systems again in terms of how the coach communicates with the team i don't know how much of their how much they're going to inherit structures which have come from the start of this season or where they'll have to rebuild things they might be stepping back a bit and you've reset the timer in terms of how long it takes for this organization to get things up to scratch um i think kometo said on his stream that things in a structural sense were so far behind he had to stay behind in week three in berlin to try and help things like putting being more on hand with it too i think he said that on the stream at some point i heard someone parroting that anyway so i'm not going to say Yamato did a good job i'm not going to say that i know anything about that because i don't think we are qualified to say anything about this because we don't know the internal workings of it but i have worries about there are much more obvious pro problems happening with players on the pitch which uh on the well, on the bloody rift we know what pitch, you meant yeah you know no, what i mean um which are nothing to do with the coach so actually the issues which i have first and foremost are not strategic direction they are individual errors happening which is nothing to do with coach and two i have huge issues with what happens if shit goes to get uh, things go to shit again because the authority has been utterly undermined for this coach yes it could work out but it's just a, a massive amount of risk this is a huge gamble it's a huge gamble yeah i think for me personally the this signals almost certainly obviously it doesn't confirm it it almost certainly means that they will continue with the players because in firing the coach oh that's been i believe said as well there's no current plans to yeah. change the players at this time so, I believe. yeah in, in firing the coach you are essentially saying that this is the area which we believe was not correct which as you referenced makes no fucking sense when you're seeing basic mistakes happening 
from a mechanical perspective and like a button clicking perspective which he has absolutely zero control over and before people say like well you can teach people to get better at the game blah, blah, blah. like if you believe that to do that by the way if, if you anything... believe that it's like you're on your marto to He's um, not a positional coach. Yeah, it, He's not there as a positional coach, guys. Th then he was a, a ridiculous hire in the first place. And again, that would be on the org, not on him. So, yeah. To me, I think it is just very weird. I think it's the more disturbing big picture thing, as I said, is there are some play there are some players where you can make, like, arguments for. And I'm not going to, like, go too hard on this episode because I've already, like, talked about it a lot on Twitter and so on. But, like, it's inexcusable that Targamas is given any more like license to be this bad he, we have such a big sample size now of what Targamas has been recently and we, it's a complete known quantity how you think this is magically going to get better is beyond me um i would kind of say the same for cabochard i know not in lec specifically recently but for me the writing's been on the wall for like quite a bit with this guy week and one and two that happened right just because it was good at week three doesn't mean week but, one and two to, and to it me was really good in week three but <laughs> to me week three didn't really happen because i was like they're kind of like glorified scrims to me at that point like i don't care if you show up when it doesn't matter like i really don't like unless i'm gonna learn something new or interesting like great you did a fucking like adam counter pick in top and you won a game of it okay cool when it didn't matter when there was no say when you had full license to and do to that adam. flip yeah no it was cool to watch don't get me wrong but like <laughs> i don't care and then like saken is the one where i would definitely say like if they said no we're keeping saken but we're changing i don't know support top or whatever i'd be like all right fair enough like he hasn't had a full proper go at it on the lec level and i think he showed enough where for me cabochard was making you will not get away with it in LEC type mistakes in the RLs. Saken wasn't really. I felt like he was. Oh, he more... was really good in the RLs. Yeah, I yeah. think he was like more in control of his fundamentals and actually showed that he, in theory, could play at LEC well, level. I mean, to speak um, at that level too, because I mean, I cast three out of the last four MEA Masters finals. So like, I've been deeply engrossed in seeing Saken play at those tournaments when he's been there. Like, the dude felt inevitable at that level, where you make a single mistake, and in a best of five, you, you shut him down for one game, and then he locks in a rise the next game and solo carries the entire game. Yeah. Like, this is the level he was at. He did feel like he was just inevitable at that level. You couldn't lock him out of a whole series. Now, it's felt really bad seeing him be so quiet on LEC, because he's, he's just not... Yeah, he's just not found that kind of, like, air to him again. The aura is gone. Yeah, and I, I feel... Mean, yeah, the gap, but, like... Some of those mid laners, there are certain positions like in the ERLs where I give sort of less credit, let's say, but I think some of the mid laners he was doing it against could the LFL be LFL mid laners pretty good. You know, he was doing it versus Ica. He was yeah. doing it versus Mask, who was pretty good at that level. Like, he pretty much dumpsed everyone he went against. Like, Myru this is, this was as well. Not... Yeah, Spiro, the, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, like, there was some semi deep. Sorry, Kira, you're like no. the bursting to say something classroom meme hit me. No, 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 no. I was literally just in my hand on you go. All I right. didn't tell you the fun, I was just waiting for a, a break break to bring something up because I had like a question. But so it's on to the next topic. No, it's, mo <laughs> no, it's moved. Like I was wanting to speak before because I've moved on to something else. It's not Yamato. So I mean, there's more. No, like, hit me now because right. we've come full circle. So what is it? It's based on like conjecture. How much would like the players have to agree? I don't know this, so you maybe used to on the removal of Yamato. Would this just be org or would they consult players on this? Like, and from so, your understanding, on your I mean, yeah, and that's entirely conjecture. Obviously, it's like them. the easy, quick answer is it's team to team. Like, I do sometimes think, or I very often think, that um, people give players way too much say because, to use the analogy of sort of naughty children, if the players aren't doing what they're meant to be doing, they will very often take the path of least resistance, which is like 
well, this coach doesn't like me or is asking me to do things or play champions I don't want to do. So, yeah, I two thumbs oh, up, get rid of I, him. I can think of two or three players who have gone direct to management to ask things to get changed within a team with a, rather than going through a coach and speaking to them. Like, oh, the, yeah. Sometimes that happens. I, I've that not heard that lot. about any of the, I've That happens, like, particularly when it comes to big names, when they get really pissed, they will... Well, not they don't even need to get pissed sometimes. But, like, I haven't heard about it in KC. I'll say that, right? But I think with the way that KC... Put uh, in terms of uh, the optics they put on the outside, it feels like they're very committed to the this well to some of the players on this roster. I would I can't imagine they wouldn't have spoken to them at some point or at least informed them beforehand. I, if there was any pushback, I'm sure that would have been taken into account. But like it's a lot of speculation because I don't know what. I mean, on the tonight. players obviously should give feedback because you know give a silly example. If a player goes to management and says dude like this coach isn't even trying like he's not even doing x he's not even doing y he's i don't know skipping vod review you know he could be doing something completely egregious that the, the the org would only know about if a player told them so it's not like i don't believe that players shouldn't be consulted but i do see players as kids in the classroom and the coach is the teacher like i don't think you should run to the principal and try and get your teacher fired just because he made you sit in the naughty chair or something you know i think there's like um yeah i i I'm not a fan of that approach. But again, it's kind of cynical to be like, oh, well, you know, nationalism's playing a role or something like that. But it, it is kind of a, an odd image to see that after nine games of like relatively good drafting, at least, let's say, and lots of individual mechanical misplays. By the way, again, to remind people, after at least initially, some fairly good early games, which, by the way, when you are a coach, the, the biggest thing you have impact on from like a play to play thing is early game for sure. Less variables. Yeah, exactly. Like when we had certain metas, for example, lane swap meta, that was almost entirely crafted from minute one to like minute 14, end of laning phase by the coach. Literally like that entire 14 minutes is basically coach driven. So yeah, I, I do find it quite odd, but again, we'll never know you know to what extent coach was to blame or not so we are somewhat oh i really but... hope someone talks it'd be so oh, yeah, good to get that hopefully. juicy info that'd be but great th th the other thing i would say and about the thing that worries me from someone that's listened to like, lots of games and calls myself is the kc are going to have to decide on who actually talks in game because upset and bow cannot both talk it's a, they're not uh compatible in terms of at this current time, they could change this, but they are not compatible in terms of communication because Upset is calling the opposite to what Bo wants to do, and Bo can't actually like finish sometimes coherent sentences to actually like say what he's like, what play he's wanting to make. But um, and, but Kira, anyway. they they have to talk. What's the alternative? You have to Jung, have a voice between jungle and but jungle and bot lane have to have communication, and Targmas refuses to speak. Yeah, so but that's that, talk. no, no. Talking isn't just communication because there's too much talking. Like the iconic oh, yeah. clip would be the upset and Bo going for the dive on the bot lane, the three v two dive on the bot lane, and upset is doing like all the talking. And uh, I wouldn't say it's good communication. It's just lots of talking. Oh no, it's not. And, it's not. And Bo, <clears throat> yeah, and Bo yo-yos in and out of the play about three or four like times, and it's just the whole thing of like one of the things moving forward. If they are keeping these five players, the next coach coming in, they're gonna have to make a, like a decision for me because we there is ten tangible evidence on who is actually going to like call and be the big brother voice in these situations. Because to me, it, it looks a lot like you have two people doing that right now. 
calling very diametrically opposed things. Well, I mean, the obvious one is when Casey looked for a fight and upset was on red buff. Exactly. Like, that stuff's happened. So, like, so, I think in a, yeah, in a greater sense, it's like that. I definitely agree. It's a big problem in Europe, actually, because I completely agree in terms of if you are talking, make sure it is useful talking. Yeah. <laughs> you can't just can't just spew shit. You actually need to say useful stuff. So I do agree. Yeah, I think there's um, strategically the team is not on the same page. And if that's due to two players who are the only two people talking in the team, but they're talking opposites, like someone's got to back off there. So at least you, you're yeah, following one. Exactly. Recipe. But this is the thing, though, like, I completely agree with what you said, Kira. Other than like, but it's, it will have to be those two. Like the the path to success it, there is getting upset because he's the English speaker. So I think the onus should be on him in this case to talk less or more efficiently or however you want to word it or to like get more on the same page as both. But you, there's nothing else you can do. Targamas is who he is. He has been. And by the way, anyone who thinks oh, the coach should just talk to Targamas and make him try and talk more. That's been tried a hundred times by a hundred different coaches. It doesn't work. He refuses to talk, it's... which is, by the way, one of the big main reasons I have an issue with him as a player is because of this refusal to try and, like, this active decision to do that. But that, that, at a certain point, he just is what he is, and you have to accept him for that or not. My advice would be to not accept him for that. But hey, we're living in a world where he's been accepted for that. So then, unfortunately, yeah, it is going to have to be the upset bow show. You've just got to rejig how that hard, works. Man. Yeah, it that, is. That, it sucks. That, but it also sucks for like Bo because Bo's play style is not like good for just go to bot lane on every single play, which is what upset was. Of course, and yeah. it's what and it's what upset will call. Yep. Because it's what upset is going to drag Bo bot lane on almost every single play. And yet, I know you don't put a lot of stock in it. If you actually go look at the KC games that they won, Bo doesn't go bot. Mm. Upset literally just plays like the most ice Noah looking games of League of Legends. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he just played. permagangs top and Kabashar doesn't have to worry about his laning phase because he's super far ahead. <laughs> Yeah, like, but I'm just saying, like, that, that if you put stock into the games that won, yeah, they're bo ones. I'm just, I, I'm just like hypothesizing on known quantities rather than because I, I, I don't know where like Casey goes from here. Oh, by the way, anyone who's like, oh, just sign Trimby, it's like again, this is the thing that kind of tilts me. It's like, yes, is Trimby a much better support than Targamas at this point in time? Absolutely. Would he be a disaster on this team? Yes, he fucking would. First of all, Trimby is chaos comms as well, by the way. Like, absolute pure chaos comms. He's he's trained a bit of that out of him, but I know that was something which he had to work on. Like, that was because he was too quiet, and then he was too loud, yes. and now he's had to cut out the chaff. So, where he is on that journey now, that's an interesting Unleash thing. But also, but <laughs> like, that's a big thing. My cage. <laughs> More importantly, though, the... the environment-wise and, like, personality-wise, it would be horrible as well. Upset Trimby sounds horrendous on paper. Like, I and my biggest thing, and the reason why I put them ninth and why I'm really upset with myself that I didn't stick with my first instinct and put them 10th was because... my position for Well, <laughs> indeed. And by the way, just for a point, I was just so tilted that Frescari was in LEC. That's what, like, put me over the edge and putting Mad 10th instead of Casey. Oh, 10th. we can talk about him later, but, don't yeah, worry. Exactly. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, it was that just personality wise and like dynamic wise this team was horrendous from top to bot and targamas upset as i touched on at the time is a horrible combination of, of personality mesh and i think trimby upset would be probably even worse at least from a personality standpoint um just to put this in a very sort of nice vanilla way trimby is a very nice sensitive fellow and upset is a very strong-minded speaks his mind german fellow so yeah i don't know i think i feel like that dynamic probably 
wouldn't be the best. Um, but yeah, anyway, they're sticking with what they're sticking with. So uh, good luck. Now we don't have to talk about them again. <laughs> exactly. Until, until they come back to the rift. Yeah. So that's it. Bye bye. See, see you next split, Casey. Right. Let's talk about uh, G2. Um, G2 had a pretty exciting week a pretty exciting series against Fnatic, uh which of course we'll we'll all touch on here they're now going to play against bds which i think is you know the dream matchup for anyone who's been paying any kind of attention to league whatsoever over the last month or so um but yeah let's talk about uh g2 first i would just like to say i do take probably the big you know we talk about how much credit can you assign to like coaches for certain things versus players whatever i think I do probably take the biggest amount of credit for Cap stepping up because, you know, me talking about how his performances hadn't really been up to par, maybe shouldn't be considered elite. And, you know, Cap's obviously avid watcher of the show thought, I'll show him. And in spurts, I don't want to overstate this, by the way. People act like this guy's still carrying every game. He's fucking not. He's had, uh, he's still had... hasn't been the best player in a single series he's played yet. Yeah, he's, he's had some great performances. But you know what he's come back to? Because Caps is still not elite, by the way. But you know what he is? He is 2019 or, where, or 2018, whatever, claps versus craps. Because that is currently his personality. He has some horror games. He has some amazing games. Sometimes and, he know... has both moments in one game as well. Exactly. That's not something he's very I but, still think he's very good and he's yes. so much better than he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has he has stepped up though, undoubtedly. He is playing better than he was in like the first week of the split or so. So yeah, anyway, as as I said, I'll take all the credit for his improvement. Uh Nymera, what do you make of G2 at the moment? As I said, they've been in a bit of a funny spot where when they look hmm. good, you feel like, yeah, damn, they do look pretty fucking good. And then you watch another game and you're like, man, they can just suck at any point they want. Um... There are some things about this team which I'm genuinely in awe of. Like, they've done... So there was... The first game they played against Fnatic, they had a better understanding of Lucian Nami and how to assign lanes than any team I've seen in the West for a long time, actually. And that was the um, first Lucian Nami game. And that's the first Lucian Nami game that they played. And they showed a yeah. better understanding of that duo and how to use a Wrecking Ball bot lane than I've seen any other team do for, like, years. There is one phase of play, which I'm going to have to remember the timestamp of, but um, it's probably about 12 to 13 minutes where you see typically so if you watch lpl lucian armies which of course i've done an awful lot of because we use it a hell of a lot out in the lpl um they move from bot lane after they've done whatever destruction they do down there straight into mid lane they, they hammer that in and they just start using their one item power spike to keep jumping forwards and killing you and typically what you need to do that to to set that up you need to have just a bit of shallow vision to make sure that as lucian jumps forward there's no one flashing over a wall and killing him while his e is down stuff like that um and not only did they not put uh, the Lucian into mid lane? They instead, because that's what LPL would do. They went up to, towards top lane, pushed in that, then they moved down the map and they pushed top lane, mid lane, bot lane in one series of plays, getting priority in every single lane, ending up onto like a really good bot side player just at the end of it too, and completely demol demolished the map. And then they go back into mid lane after that point because they've dropped wards down the entirety of the map to then allow Lucian to go do this again. And I was just sat there after volleying this and be like, why have they never played this? King bot lane sit before they, they look so good at playing this the fact that they also had because that was also the zack game and that was game once they had another zack game there as well um they they managed to kind of use that to then also be another engaged threat solution could have the follow-up beyond that that aspect of the gameplay i was genuinely really impressed with and i remember watching it live and i was thinking oh this is just scrappy oh, are they really that good watching back on it i was actually quite impressed um and then you go into game two, and then you start seeing how they do have some pretty bad errors too. 
I think the biggest error which they do have is that they're quite good at getting one or two wards, but they will dive beyond their wards more than is safe. And there is something which, against Fnatic, I thought they did really well in regular season against them, and Fnatic kind of punished uh, what they punished Fnatic for doing against them. They did exactly to Fnatic, which is a big player often sets up for a second big play. If you fight in one area of the map, and then you retreat. You leave wards, pretty obviously. And if you're sweeping back as the defending team trying to clear out those wards, there's probably one ward left. You can kind of assume that's going to happen. So what Fnatic were doing against G2 in the regular season were, there was a point where I remember Corky answers top lane wave after a big fight having G2 overdive beyond the inner turrets, but they leave some wards down. Then Humanoid stays in top side, gets teleported and gets killed. So I was thinking, okay, G2 really good at leaving wards and then making a second play off of the first play that they made. And then in game two against Fnatic, they do exactly the opposite. They are the ones which overstep and they make a play in an area where Fnatic have just dropped wards after a big play and they get crushed for it. They never get to play the game after that point. We don't even get to see the problems of the overall team composition where they have no access to the backline. So they go from one of the best games I've seen in the West for a long time to some just really stupid basic mistakes. And the game three was a mess anyway. Game three was just a whole load of different stuff. But like, it leaves me with a really weird opinion of these guys because they're quite obviously best in class at certain skills, but then they just make boneheaded mistakes in the others. It's really frustrating. Yeah, and that's my take on G2. Uh, do you <laughs> so, co-sign that, Kira? What do you think? I, I, I think there's a, a bunch to co-sign there, but I think there's a couple of things just like strange by nature just to run through them that I've seen. First of all, Noah not starting with support item on Senna and going Doran's Blade, I think it was what he opened. Oh, oh is this the double Doran Senna lane? Yeah. Oh, so there are reasons for that, but they are quite specific. This is after pretty, the support item has been nerfed right dog too, shit. so... Let me, no, so which, which game is that in, actually? Let me, let game me one, I, I right. think would they call I, I can't remember, like, I think it's, um, the, Noah backs for support item, he doesn't start with it. If I remember so this right, is, this is so. This is something that we see in LPL. Yeah, I know and... we see it in LPL, but I so, still don't. I, so, I, see the... if BDS. Sorry, if, uh, go on. To quote my friend, if K Corp was doing this, right, everyone would laugh at them. But because a bunch of agents done it, right, we're now going to pretend that it, like it's got like this my new thing. Now I have watched the games that was happened in the LPL. I was not impressed with it there either. But, okay, I, so I there are the one principle. or two games. So I tell you what's egregious because I agree that it ends up being shit. What you end up doing is double Dorans because the support item gives you no combat stats it gives you regen but no combat stats so with the center you can farm some gold and you get yourself the support item on the first back but what you're meant to do is brutalize lane for the first couple of levels get a plate or get a kill and it then justifies you spending that gold at first the problem is they go double support item and then they lose the fucking 3v3 bot side so why did you even get this in the first play if you can't win the 3v3 that's what i have an issue with i don't mind if you're very good at playing 2v2 and you get value out of it but you have to justify it, and they didn't, so... Like, do you ever... So by going Doran's... Let's just create an isolated 2v2. You go Doran's... I, I don't know, does June go Doran's? He goes Doran's yeah. Rang, or does yeah, he yeah. go it's Doran's It's double Doran's Lane, yes, double Doran's. Okay, right. So you go double here. Isolated, not 3v. Do you win? Like, do you beat Lucian Nami as you... Noah Nautilus? You can do if you get good enough center poke and uptime. And if waves. you don't, what's like the reverse risk? It's really bad. Now, if I'm on support item, right, I could still maybe win, but st less likely because I don't have Dorans, right? But my fallback on is so much better. Is it not? 
Well, th that's the thing. I think they are aiming to beat the 3v3 bot, and they go for an early 3v3 bot, and then they lose it. So the problem is, for me, is actually they lose the 3v3 bot, and then it's a case of, if you were never going to win the 3v3 bot, why why go it? That's yeah. that's the problem for me. So, that's like an... And, but like, uh, for me, if I've got a Senna on my team, why am I looking to end, to get the... End, have the possibility of losing the game at a point in time where that... Like, I'm going to put it into, like, a very layman's terms, right? That's like trying to win the game at level 1 to 5 with Kale, rather than the hypothetical... Senna's pretty good in early game nowadays, actually, because she's so long-range compared but to you most know, but the, you're not, so... But it's, like, risk to reward. Like, there's a, a mythical end point on Senna where I win because I have Senna, because I outrange and I'm able to outheal and outsustain any set-piece fight, right? But... I'm going to risk a massive gold deficit, which is my loss condition, early, because I'm, I'm going to greed to win it. If I was Fnatic bot lane in this game, I look to 3v3 bot and stop the Lucian army getting ahead. Now, the problem is when they lose how the game, they get it's ahead? completely over. Now, they, you lose the 3v3 and it's even worse. Don't get me wrong. Just the fact that they no, lost but, what, but, does not make the initial angle a wrong decision to me. It's, but, like, it's awful when they lose it, but I would still go for that in the hopes that you shut the Lucian army down. So I don't know. I think it's like a, I think it's like a really big risk, and it delays your support item, and like, there's a lot of weird stuff. Like when I was watching Jun like one v one the broken broken blade, like when he was like level eight to broken blade level eleven. I was oh no, that was shout. stupid. Don't get me wrong. That was really bad. But, yeah. I, I, level that entire like first game. Like, I actually thought it was a very, very good draft for Fnatic, but they found the most, like, creative way to, like, lose it. I actually thought it was a good draft from Fnatic. I thought I think, it was awful. <laughs> I think Cat... Look, I think if you can get to, like... I think AD LeBlanc, like, stops being, like, really, really good into that composition, like, quite quickly. Like, she has to front-run the game, like, quite aggressively, because any pocket that she's in, she has to be able to threaten, like, serious, like, poke damage, like, all the time. And a lot of that can get like nullified and she can get like pushed out of the pockets by like two or three champions. The the, the big one for me is like, you know, Hansam and Mickey X do like front run the game in like a big way. Um and they, they, they don't really take they had like a really good understanding of like mid section as well. Oh yeah, it was that, an insane Lucian Nami snowball. Like but the fact that they snowball it is a problem, but it was a great job when they got ahead. So Oh it's great. And then game two, like Razork was Yank's dad. Um <laughs> Don't know. Uh, to be fair, like I actually, the, the, one of the things I actually enjoyed more about like game two is like it was actually a way more like succinct like game from like Fnatic where they didn't just have like the random like harem scarem um throw at any like point of it. Mm. There wasn't anything too dicey. They kind of like pushed their advantages like pretty well. Um, do you want to stick um, on G two or Fnatic bottle? Because I do have stuff to say about Fnatic too. No, no, I'm just uh, sorry. I was right, just right. I was getting because it gets to the, the next bit. G a G two. Uh, for here for on game three and this is a this is a thing i actually think would you call it oh fanatic i've got like a very good draft but i actually really really like g2's draft and caps on this like way is going to be not i think it's going to be one of the like the pivotal the pivotal picks along with the zach like moving forward into like g2 and it's not so much there's kind of like a weird like change in lec we used to always go in and we used to talk about uh, bot lanes, like, you know what I mean, all the ADCs, it's like quite a stacked role. 
And it's not that it's like less stacked, but it's like what your solo laners can pick and be able to yeah, like Yeah, the champions abuse. also bot laner determined now. They're not yeah, going to uh, flip the meta, whereas exactly. solo lanes can. Yeah. But solo lanes are now, that's like the, 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 we went really deep in one civilization tech tree, and we're going all the way back to get like husbands. This is how and, Mad Koi yeah. win the league. It's the solo lane picks. It's the chat. Incredible. They've, they've so, built a roster to win the LEC. I, I don't think it was like, basically, I thought, would you call it for me like the bit my big takeaway for like g2 was i think they had like pretty good like drafts and like all of the games i think their bot lane like played like pretty pretty well in game three it wasn't as good but they had like a good platform to recover from bb was like a highlight they have a great understanding of like when to like force as like five people and like would create like continual like fights of just re-engagement re-engagement i think zach is like a pick that that actually does like oh, apparently very he well spammed to... out 200 games of zach by the way to get this ready for him and in the last two weeks he's apparently been like 1v1ing alfari in individual lanes to get up to pace on the pick and top lane no, so um, that, 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 respect to BB for it because like it looks like it it's works. It's really good. Yeah. So really good. And, and I think the thing is, is I think you look, you can see a lot of the failures of Oscar in and in, in this series particular in terms of like his laning and his, like his greed and his like weekend, man. yeah and his bad. like risk assessment. So I don't know. Like G two, this is kind of like a return to form about a lot of the good things about like G two. Um, it was good to see Caps playing well. I think Yike had a bit of a harem scare him. He was good in the. The Vi game, but it was quite a good game for Vi regardless. In general, yeah. it was quite a good level to play from. But yeah, if you want to talk more about Fnatic, you can go ahead or Rich. No, I mean, yeah, I think we should uh, talk about Fnatic at this juncture because obviously we do not know who their next opponent will be. Um, so I did want to talk just a little bit more on this series from their perspective because obviously, ultimately, it was a close series. Um, there's been, you know, some talk back and forth about you know, what was the reason that X team won or lost or whatever. And as always, it's going to be a myriad of different reasons. But there has been discussion about Noah's build path, which I wanted to run past you guys. It was my contention that the game felt fairly unwinnable after two main things happened. One, Noah deciding to pick for poke Varus instead of on hit Varus, which I feel is just... If the game state is like pretty even, I just feel it reaches a point where he can never really do anything or impact the game at all. Obviously, the oh, main yeah, counter argument yeah. is if he plays on hit, okay, sure, he can maybe more easily melt. I mean, he's still not going to melt, but he can more easily affect the Zach front line and so on. But he's then in range of like Quay and it's just really rough. Like you have to play fucking on an absolute knife edge to actually be effective playing that. So I get both sides of that. I do personally think the more pivotal moment when it wouldn't have mattered either way was when Razork so I say, got ADHD and decided to press R in the bot lane for some inexplicable reason that oh, I the, the just don't understand one. what was going through his head. Saves that was two people. So odd. Like, honestly, so odd. The only thing I can think of, one of two things happened. Either he forgot, and I don't think this is true, he either forgot that the way the interaction works is regardless of where you're facing, it sends them the other way, which I guess could have happened. Or, so like maybe he thought he was like hitting them like over their own tower. Or, and I don't think this happened either, so that he thought he tapped it or something, like he wanted to tap it, but they weren't in range for him to tap it. And yeah, he was like spinning the fucking hammer for like three seconds. I'm not seconds, even going to so. try and like. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what, so I don't know weird. what happened. I have no idea what happened, but you know, let's just say there was a touch of the Iron Wolves so about that for my money. 
But uh, yeah, no. Which means that they'll keep playing completely fine, right? Exactly. So yeah, Yeah. no. uh, Nibera, talk talk to me about these two things, particularly Um, the the build stuff, because what are your thoughts on this? Um, I think this is going to go untalked about because if we're talking about you know the game changing things which happened, you can talk about that too. Um, can we just talk about how like G two threw away like a double kill bot lane at three minutes for completely no reason before this? Like, I actually think Fnatic were more in this game than they had any right to be. So the picture is, at about two minutes, Hansheimer and Mickey get themselves bot lane prior because it's a Callista lane, it's going to do that. First level, Jun hooks in Braum and they get a, like a, they, they burn Ignite, but it's like, it's a Braum, nothing's gonna happen. So they lose control of the wave. Mickey then goes into the enemy jungle, puts a ward down, and sees Razork heading towards bot side. Then they sit in the brush really far up in bot lane, get hooked in, knowing that Yike is still not in range for a proper 3v3. They get 3v2 in bot side and they lose both two kills there. There is absolutely no way that the Callista Braum should be getting double killed in a 3v2v3 that they are buying into. There is no world in which that should happen. The fact that, um, you know, it then leads to Noah getting a 1.3k gold lead individually and somehow the Callista from behind, the Callista team from behind still manages to get their way back into it. I think that's testament to how good G2's draft was towards the top side because, like, the top side champions synergize so ridiculously well and the Varus can't play into them. But in any other game where you haven't got this huge dot topside draft deficit, Fnatic should run away with this. And it really annoys me that Hans and Mickey are going to completely get away with this complete boneheaded mistake. You should never make that mistake. The fact that they're also Fnatic do then throw the bot side play where they get punted out by the popiel, it, it's beyond me, honestly. I feel like Fnatic, like, they got given a freebie, they gave a freebie back, the draft wasn't great either um, for, for Fnatic, I don't think. I don't think there's, like any world in which they're really ever hitting the back line on terms which they want, and the Zac has complete free reign to jump into them, unless Poppy... Well, Poppy only has one W, and you can't stop both of I and the Zac at the same time. Um, so when it actually comes down to the build difference on this, which is where it all comes down to, is like, you have a massive lead on the Varus, which means that whatever build he goes, whether the poke on, on, on hits, he's going to have a lot of gold towards it. If you just assume that before he even, you know, before before whatever happens with runes or whatever, he, whatever build he, he takes with that play in bot side where he gets, you know, a double kill pretty much early, he's going to have a lot of gold. I don't see, even then, what items he builds to stop a Vi clicking R on him and then the Hui clicking QW and executing him. That doesn't change, folks. That doesn't change. Like, even if he's gone poker on hit, um, he's dying to that combo as it goes in, or whether that's the Zac or the Vi. What you are hoping for with an on-hit is that the engage fucks up onto you and you have a space to auto-attack the tanks down. But if G2 play well, and you are the focus because, you know, you've got a load of gold as an AD carry, you still shouldn't be able to play that game. So that's my take on the build. It barely crossed my mind when the mid-game hit, honestly. Like, I know that, um, uh, like, we've been talking a little bit before we went on air about the build. I just don't think build matters when a Zac and a Vi press r on you yeah i think it does okay i'll give you the right. reasons tell me that, a reason right? i'm actually quite interested in this okay so i think this is actually like one of the rare circumstances where like build was like critical to game success so first of all was poke virus have any of everyone seen the highlight montages of when like poke viruses like insta kill tanks are filled with like millions of health it's specifically because those tanks are just health stacks they do not have mr because the execute health rend on virus is magic damage. Critically, yeah. it is magic damage. Now, Zac in this game gets to stack MR because the person who is supposed to kill the Zac is the Azir, yeah. and the Azir is supposed to attempt to free hit. So, what on hit Varus actually does, if you go um, Bark, Gunses, yada yada yada, right, is it allows you to have two separate pockets that the, the Zac cannot dive both. 
because if he dives onto the Azir, you still have like a pocket that can play and hit onto the Zac and threaten it. So the Zac, if you actually watch, dives onto the Azir almost every at the start of almost every single fight and disrupts the Azir from being able to build up soldiers and be, like be able to chop them down. Because it's just, he's so disruptive, you know, he like dives in, he like shoots out a cue, yanks you, then he ults and bounces about, and the Azir never really gets a chance to like be ADC, like attack, damage him down, or like attack him down with the, the two stack, three stack of the soldiers. <clears throat> However, quite uniquely, Fnatic does actually have tools to um stop the, not stop, but like affect the, like the ranges of like the... Fanatics engaged like Poppy can, for example, st can stalk Zach diving with W. Yeah, she could also turn off Zach's like chance to like re engage with like a really yeah. good ult. She can use like her her like uh dash to like push way out of the fight and like solo try and like solo out way. The other thing is, is like Callista ranges in this game once you get to mid game aren't that good. If you like Callista's general like ranges now. Against Poke, they're worse, and then if you play on-hit Varish, you're actually a similar range, or you might be the exact same range as Cluster. So in that degree, you're you're better. But the condition of this game is that someone must kill Zack. If you cannot kill Zack, there is no version of this game you can win. And Fnatic were, like, even in gold. And even with, like, fights where, like, uh, um, Noah was peeling out the fight, they did not have enough damage to kill the Zack once and then possibly having to kill him, kill him again, like, twice. The other thing, and uh, this is to take in consideration, is, is you have, like, the Karma, and the, the good thing about, like, the Karma is if she's not, like, being the one that's going on with the... The Zach. Yeah, if she's not caught in the engage, she can shield someone else from the Zack engage. She yeah. can she can use her speed boost to bring whatever pocket isn't being fought fought in to like to to cut into range of the of the pocket that has been engaged on and shield people in. And she can burst and she can root. Now, I am not saying that like if Noah builds this build, right? He one hundred percent is like fanatic of close the door in the game, they win it. I just do not think that there is a, the actual damage amount on screen to kill the Zack if he goes poke because Azir cannot do it and Azir do, literally has to auto the attack. Uh, we we've done like uh like theorized it out with like a attack dummy. He saw, if he had like three soldiers up or something, he had to click the the Zack something like fourteen times to kill him. That's that isn't practical. I'm sorry, and that's without by the way, that's without the Zack. Uh, the Zack create using abilities that create blobs yeah. that the, the Zack then picks up. By the way, also, when you build on hit Varus and you're this vulnerable and you don't have enough damage to kill the Zack, they can use everything to kill Humanoid, which happened a bunch of times, by the way. They okay, don't even no, care I do get this about the Varus. Yeah. Oh, um, and, and also on the other side of it too, on hit Varus also gets a lot of life steal. So if you do survive, yes. you get a load of attack speed, you can go through that. I mean... The problem I have is that I'm viewing it in a different way where, like, I'm not viewing it as, like, frontline to frontline. I think that the one of the issues why, because let's be honest, a lot of the fight, you know, he's zero, he's three zero and, and three by 16 minutes, 17 minutes, and he's built zero MR, by the way, pretty much. He's built yeah, a little that, that's another issue. So, like, so, the, so one of the big things is, like, actually, before any magic resist comes through, the game is effectively fucked anyway. So, like, that, this is a lot of theory stuff, which is, like, none of this actually mattered in a lot of this game. 
Um, I do think that um, the way I'm viewing it is that I would much prefer Poppy Alt hits the Zack out of the fight and you actually have to have a way to reach the back yeah. line. That's the way I would play this game because if the game becomes about the Zack, you have lost. You have lost the game if it becomes about the Zack, which is exactly what's happened. I think the one time where G2 looked pretty good, uh, no, um, Fnatic looked pretty good was when Caps misstepped one or two times. There's one time where like, he randomly walks into River first and dies and another time at Baron Pit where Humanoid gets a scoop onto him because he's randomly out of position. Again, Caps had a pretty good game on the way, but he had some pretty awkward mo positioning moments. The Poke Varus can help you follow up on those kind of picks from a very long range away. I think that Fnatic made a lot of big mistakes in one, tracking where the Zac was and still sticking around his engage range, which I know is very, very hard, but they didn't have the shallow, shallow vision to make sure that he wasn't just over a wall or something like that. Also, I think Oscar Renan had an awful laning phase against yeah. both oh, that, times against yeah, the Zac. Game one, he walks into Zac in River and goes, haha, I'm trading my Poppy Passive Auto with you, and then realizes that Zac has better continual damage than you because he's a Zack with double. Yeah. And then so like he loses half his HP so at level one in game one. So that was a shit laning phase. Game three, you're a ranged champion against Zack and you get hit by like five different Zack Qs in a row, which is meant to be super hard to hit onto a champion with a move speed boost to help you dodge that shit. So you can't even bully out the Zack in lane and you get solo killed. So Oscar Inin is partly to play at this because Zack is too powerful at the points in the game, which he should be, which means that he's ahead of the curve in terms of tankiness. That doesn't help them. I also don't think they played around stopping his engage and disengaging him very well on the side of Razorg to mean that he wasn't, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't about the other people. It was about the Zack instead. So for me, yes, I think that if it becomes about the Zack, on hit is the only way you're going to deal with him. I agree with that bit. I just don't think the game should have been about the Zack. But here's the thing, right? Okay, so a good point you brought up. When Humanoid, a Zeer uh, Scoot's way, okay, he trades his effective life, okay, for waves. He, like, scoots away and gets away insta-killed because the Varus then shoots the arrow and executes him. Great. But in here lies the problem. Even if the Zack, you do not want the game to be about the Zack, once the Azir is dead because you are Poke Varus, it is now about the Zack because you, there is now no longer any damage on the screen that is going to kill the Zack because the uh, Humanoid has traded his life for the Hui. And so the Zack now is going to get to just slowly DPS, like CC down your entire backline and no one can find the damage to like kill him and he'll just chain oh. dive. On, on one of the one of the other annoying things about the Zack too, actually, this is against what I was just arguing about. This is that if you punt the pop, if you poppy ult and just punt the Zack out of the fight, he is one of the fastest champions yeah. to rejoin the fight. Yeah. Anyone, because yeah. he he has there an entire teams. screen yeah. on his E, and by the time he's land, that cooldown is back up. By the way, it's a super low cooldown late game. So yeah, I mean, I know I'm arguing against myself, but that obviously doesn't help either. I, I get that it's a problem. Like, it's a good composition from G2. They've made as, it really as, hard. It, it was really interesting because G Mad Lions obviously had the same idea of like the Zack being broken, but Fnatic had the answer in terms of the Darius, right? And then G2 then seen the Darius or they knew about it and then they knew to then ban it in the procedural games and then Oscar had to try and come with different answers. Now, the thing for me is... And this is another thing to get into, because let's now talk about the Karma, because I was talking about Karma being, like, OP, very, very good. Now, Karma is very, very good because it the ability to reapply shields, okay? Now, if you are in a poke war, so imagine you have Karma in the Mad Lions game, the one we were talking about, when it was a crazy poke war, right? Yeah. And you're able to reapply the shields. That is, like, good, because there's actually damage, like, coming on top of you, and you're sending damage back out, right? But the problem with the karma in the g2 game and unless the shielding is going on to like humanoid like all the time and he's able to stand tall the varus isn't actually really using the effective shielding because he's more of like a like a poke he's more of a poke role 
it's the ability to like mass shield people in your team and like move forward and constantly go forward that's like very very effective. However, Hui and um, Zach and like Callista and Brom are really good at stopping that. Like, you know what I mean? They're, they're able to, like, put up fronts and are able to, like, disrupt and break that up. And to me, in my opinion, Oscar and don't look very practiced on the Karma. And from what, like, I've seen in, for example, like, the BLG games of, like, Night, the Karma probably would have been better mid than it would have been better top these ways. And they should have had Zach answers in the top lane specifically and probably played the Karma mid. Well, also, like, it was super telegraphed in game three as well, because, the well, so in both games, they second round banned Darius and Nar. Like, there is no more obvious way you're going to say, I'm playing Zac next round, by the way. So you have to know that it's coming through. So, yeah, they, they should have known that it's coming through. The Karma, I don't think, was a good answer, and they also didn't play the Karma well. Like, this was, like, a low roll in both ways. And the fact that Oscar and had a really bad week doubled down on how bad this sack affected them. Yeah. Um, right, yeah. so obviously uh, G2 are going to be playing against who would I, I would argue are Big. the cleanest yeah. looking team uh, in LEC, in BDS, who had another good week. We also got to see BDS play from a deficit, which was pretty nice, and uh, they looked pretty good doing it. So yeah, I'll come to you first on this then, Kira. Um, obviously, go with it wherever you want, but I'll just chuck in the clickbait question. Do you think that BDS look better than G2 at the moment? Yeah, but only in the context of, like, I think Fnatic are, like, a better team. I think that Fnatic are the actual Dark Horse, like, team. A lot of it to do with the fact that, like, on any given day, like, their players can play better and take, like, wins off of you. And also the fact of, like, they have a like, style that's a little bit more antithesis to, like, how everyone else plays currently in the LEC, which is, like, kind of, like, interesting. Uh, G2 done like a good job of figuring it out, and I think the Zach pick given them the unconditional gauge. But so I think BDS do look cleaner, but I think there's reasons like for that. Um, just just like generally though, BDS look like still look like the best unit, and still like the best like team play team in terms of like coherent parts moving like around like the map. Uh, I think to speak specifically about the game. I uh, know we finally, all the stuff like I pre-warned about, you know, like Karma's OP, I think it lost every game, and then where's mm. the Jinx been, you know what I mean? Yeah. Now, interestingly enough, by the way, the Jinx was not that far, not, not many other champions from the game state they were in in game one, how much gold they were down on the Aphelios, by the way, the, there was a version of that, if Karzy flashes more aggressively, they win the, the fight, Um, and he like starts it, it, mid, chain yeah. executing, yeah, in mid, yeah, yeah. rather than flashing north away from the Malkai ult, he flashes south and hopes to god he makes it through through the milk aisle and he gets like all attacks and quicker um at the, at, at the end of the day i was really impressed with vithu and karzy's performance yeah um hellasang's still a disgrace mm -hmm. um he basically just doomed his lineup i, I was really so I, I give a lot of proper props so i really like team vitality's draft draft the karma with the zinjiao with the akali you know karzy's on this adc hellasang's on not with the big thing for me is, is this is a unique part of where, like, in game one, BDS have also got an amazing draft. You've got Kasante for Adam, you've got Maokai for Shio, Nuck on Azir, Ice on um, Aphelios. If I last one, yeah. Yeah, and Labrov on uh, Blitzcrank. So you've yeah. traded for, like, very, very good, like, comfort and, like, OPs, but the other team has gotten a lot of their comfort and OPs as well. Now, 
I like like the idea, but the problem is, is I don't think you should be letting Labrov play Blitzcrank in like good Blitzcrank games. Yeah. In the yeah, LEC right now. And the other thing is, I don't in current form, I do not think you should generally be allowing Nuck to play yeah. um Azir. Um, I know that's like really easy to say, like lol, lol, lol just ban Azir, but you probably want like a better matchup for it than Akali, even though the Akali. In EU, it's like better favored than it is in other places. I think you want a more punishing pick if you know Nuck is going to have the Azir or has like shown the Azir. If you want to put uh, yeah, so I yeah, because actually I think there's an so in terms of the, I really agree with the champions you're saying because I think there is an overarching feature regarding those champions and the way that BDS play. And this also comes in really really fascinatingly with the G2 matchup because I think G2 are the best team in Europe about playing around side lanes. I think in the regular season game where they played against Fnatic, they played really well through side lanes. I think some of the games that they played against them in playoffs also played really well through side lanes. BDS are the opposite. The way that they get away about not knowing how to play around sidelines is because Adam has the most obnoxious champion pool in 1v1s and 1v2s, where if he gets a lead, they don't need to worry about playing sidelines because all he has to do is show up there and just not die, mm. which he's done better at, actually, since he's come back to the LEC in the last year or two. Um, the other champions they picked, though, which are the ones that you mentioned, are very, very good at, m at orchestrating picks in mid lane. BDS are by far the best team in Europe at pulling the trigger in mid-game. In mid-game, around the mid lane, once once bot lanes have started shifting through there. Stuff like Blitzcrank, presses the move at speed thing, just walks forward and looks for a hook. Stuff like Maokai, very, very good at just kind of playing through mid lane. Vi, same thing, hops over the wall. objective is a fight if you want it to be. And, and the objective is not actually an objective. It is a fight which then springs off into the yes. rest of the map. And the yep. reason they can play this so well is because they have so many champions which respond very, very quickly to when a mistake is made in mid lane. And because no team, no how to put down wards into the enemy jungle to spot when people are looking for this fight no one pays the respect at the right times to stick away from it which means that they just get absolutely monstered in even game states because they don't know how to set up the map <laughs> and here's the thing even in game two where they've lost the maokai um they've lost the uh maokai yeah. pick but they the still have band. Jin and they Jin, still exactly. have it doesn't yeah. matter they have another exactly. pick for this shit <laughs> yeah they then they pivot here's the thing i actually want the bds or like the ultimate adage of like know thyself where like they are all exactly the... they know what they want they want to they fight around mid want. lane <laughs> I, and i'm so surprised that like teams really haven't considered more of like pushing trying to push them to play like something else and get more of them out of them now g2 are the team that look to do this um, just to, like quickly round up on like game two there, you know, um, Photon is stuck in like the hellhole matchup versus yeah. like Adam. <laughs> you and don't win the... that Darius matchup, buddy. Yeah. And one of like the big things is, is like, right now, Nuck in EU uh, on, I, I can't really believe this, this is, I'm saying this, this is just one of these crazy things that happens in League of Legends history, is he's kind of got like that Larson quality on his ear. Where even, I know, mate, it's fucking crazy. Where, like, even when he's on it and there's, like, you're down, like, thousands of gold, until you've actually put him out of the game and he's died a couple of consecutive times, as long as he's making consecutive item spikes, you know if you bring him to the fight, there's a chance you're able to, like, win it. Um, and maybe it's not always, like, a good chance, oh my great God. chance. Nuke is the EU scout. He's the EU Chovy. No, we, that's what Dom was tweeting out. Yeah, and I, I saw that. that which I was, See, I, I was wasn't going to mention that, because then people... Okay, but now people know I've stolen that shit. <laughs> ah, well, well, you got to give progenitor. you got to give credit yeah, yeah. to him. Uh, no, he's actually not wrong. Nuke's actually getting really big value as soon as he's in the game. It's it's actually quite frustrating to have that comparison. It actually is fairly good. <laughs> but I hate, by the way, just a small pet peeve. I really don't like this narrative that, like, BDS are 
a team that are like greater than the sum of their parts. I think that's a load of horseshit. I think they're a well synergized team in that they all work well together, but they are legitimately like top players in most of their roles. No. Like on, I'm like jury's out on ice for me just because I haven't seen enough yet. Where and ADC is a hard role to gauge and in pressure situations too. Yeah, exactly. So like, I don't, I've not, I don't have a strong opinion on ice yet. Um, could be good. I don't know. I Shio, I think, is someone who I wouldn't put in the highest session. But I think like Adam is unironically easily one of the best tops in Europe. If not, and his the best his top champion pool is fantastic yes. for the meta. Like everything he plays breaks up in all the picks that everyone else wants to play. Yeah, Nuke is the most, at least the most consistent mid in Europe. Like if you want to say humanoid, uh, and he's the best Azir, which is the best mid laner yeah. on the patch right now. So he's the best player, of the best the champion thing. in mid lane. And Labrov is the best thing. support right now in Europe. Like if you want to say Mickey is, uh, give him the nah. best because of legacy or whatever. Okay, whatever. But right now, nah. like right now this is not a team where it's like think, oh power of friendship like no power of being really fucking good in basically every role is what this is i think mickey's still the best on depth but like labrov on the picks that are being played right now looks to be like the best yeah. with like the blitzcrank and stuff um, no here by the way that that, that statement isn't actually mutually mutually exclusive all right that they're greater than some of their parts because i actually think bds are greater than the sum of their parts though that adage is obviously obviously used more for teams that like start off bad for example jdg the the chinese team the super team of yesteryear that was a team that was greater than the sum of their parts even though the parts that were on it were like great because not by the way like we've, we've taken one part out of that team and they don't look anywhere That's near fair. as good as those, oh no two parts of the team they don't look anywhere near as good second of all is the thing that's really like cool about like BD like where BDS and where that adage is like um uh so fitting is how they come back into like games. It really isn't always just like um when they are behind. It, it isn't just like one person that plays someone on a side lane or one person just like dominates. No, they like, sit a, a in the pocket fight. and they look for a clutch and gauge. Yeah, they, they, it's like really, yeah, it's like a really succinct like engage, and it's like a window timing that they get and click their fingers, and they're like back in the game. And it looks, it has, looks like it has to be coordinated rather than like you know what I mean, a corky with a bunch of items packages across yeah, like yeah. the backline and kills like a bunch of people. I mean, I would like, say yes and no. Like I, I think again, this is individual strengths that they just share, in my opinion, like their understanding of how to play out the macro scenarios and what they're meant to be doing at any given time. But I also think like even though he's been the best support, like Labrov has had some really in early games. Uh, and then Shio's also had some really yeah, awkward moments. Shio's had some really in early games. Um, and Adam isn't always like this split. He has been pretty consistent, but like historically, like this is the if thing. He falls behind. He's a black hole of pressure. Yeah. It's really bad. Labrov can just in early and still be like ridiculously relevant and impactful and clutch, like engaging team fights. Shio, same shit. Adam on occasion, sometimes depending on pick, can just like ruin a team fight, even though he was massively behind because he roamed mid for some reason, like four times in a row. And you're like, how is this guy still relevant? Like, yeah. what's going on? Like, that they, that those are individual strengths that they just all happen to share. So, like, I do get the idea that sometimes it manifests as like, wow, look how like beautifully succinct everything is. But I also just think that the players are all really good and have overlapping strengths. So it looks like that. And like, and also the the other thing about this is that saying oh they're more than the sum of their parts that is exacerbated because every other single team in europe right now is not that well they're yeah. actually not for it so i mean you can say that they are the team which is more like more than the sum of their parts and you can that's completely true i don't think it's the most important thing about this team yeah. um 
And yeah, no, I think there are a lot of things about that in regards to what we're saying about how they look for the engagers, which is going to be really clutch to see. I think when it comes to G2, I mean, I think G2 have some obvious angles to go towards, which is, you know, slamming the Lucian Nami, locking a Maokai so they can't have it because it's one of the best answers to the Lucian Nami as well, and just steamroll the map like they did in game one against Fnatic. That, that's a pretty good, you know, plug-and-play composition that they can put against them. I'm very interested to see how many other strategies they have after bans come through to force BDS to play on side lanes against like really obnoxious sideline champions, which typically they do, because obviously um, you've got Caps, he's playing the AD LeBlanc, which, you know, doesn't necessarily do the most in team fights, but can give you some problems on side lanes. What happens if you're denied the ability to play through mid lane because, you know, G2 are just going towards the side lanes instead? That's basically what happened in the regular season game as well. And BDS kind of lost their footing a bit trying to play, play fights around the map too. That could be a worry for them. But if BDS have enough ways to force the game to be about clutch engages in mid lane, they will beat G2. Like, that, that, that's their strength, and G2 haven't looked the best at that either, because often they dive beyond where it's safe for them to do so, which is exactly how BDS punished them. So, this is going to be an awful lot of prep diff. It, once we go into this series, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is going to come down to who has the most options available to enable their preferred style and deny it away from the opponent, which, actually, I'm very interested in. Not many games come down to that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I think this is going to be really fun strategically to see what, what the teams have gone away, how well they know thyself, and how they can enable that against another team. Did any of you see, by the way, and this is a point, no, Game 5, BDS done a full jungle pinch? Um, game 5 where? Game 5, <laughs> Game 2, sorry. They done a full I was jungle like, pinch. What do you mean by that? We haven't had best of us yet. No, team, team Vi they done a full jungle pinch versus Team Vitality. Do you know that has been since I've seen that? Like, I can't remember the last time that's happened. I, I, like, we always talk about like full support pinch or full mid lane pinch or full top lane pinch. I have not genuinely not seen that happen. In terms of the and bands I, and stuff, right? Yeah, in the bands, they do a full jungle pinch. They literally pick uh, Zhen Xiao on one, and then all they do is ban junglers. It technically flexes, but all they do is ban junglers. Which was, by but the I, way, really odd when SK just decided to let Daglas play brand two games running. Like, but no, was... sorry, this was Team BDS versus Team Vitality. No, I know. I'm saying in the in the SK versus Vitality game, it was really weird that everyone already knew that Douglas's best champion by a mile was Brand, and they just let it you know, twice in a row. Yeah. Like, very odd. But, oh, um, and then SK played champions, which they just like not comfortable on either in mid jungle. It was just like mental boom. It was yeah. Really good. <laughs> well, we'll according to a reply guy on uh, Twitter to, uh, yeah, last night, I mean, champion pool isn't how well you can play a champion. It's just if you lock it in in champ select. So by these the way, guys just timing, have ocean timing balls, Lissandra, by the way. Don't yeah, don't even worry about it. That's part of a big champ pool. So. You know the only person hey, that's who not could what get he, away that's with not that? What he said. That's exactly what he said. <laughs> That is exactly what he said. No, wait, are you not talking about, uh, you talking about Soli's one where he said I that like being able to pick things like being able the to thing, pick look, things look, on folks, stage that aren't the fully like things. The only person who's allowed to pick champions that they're completely YOLOing on for the first time is fucking Darian. He's the only person I'll ever, because this dude, like, I'm not going to contest him. He'll first pick like an Urgot or some shit like that and he'll do fine on it. That's what he did back in the day. Besides that, would quite like you to know how to play a champion with another, and your team would quite like to know how to play with that champion too, which is another problem, because you have plenty of people who are one-tricks, who then pick out stuff. I don't um, know, I've seen a lot of Lucian yeah. picked, and it gave me a lot of doubt. Well, that's the thing, right? A load of teams don't know how to play with the Lucian, which is a, it, it really annoys me. They don't know how to enable it. So when SK picked out just stuff that they weren't prepared for, that, that obviously was a bit of 
a bit of a brain fart, really. I mean, obviously, you can compare that to something like BDS, where because they're play plugging and playing champions into a certain style, which can achieve the same thing, they have a bit more flexibility with that because they're all looking for these picks around mid lane, and then everyone just kind of knows the setup for that anyway. That's a very different thing. If you need to know, like, a different you know, like, setup for the champion you're working with, like, you can't just first-time that, folks. Rich, that's a good question. What do you think of Photon, like, generally, and he's isolated 1v1, more isolated 1v1 versus Adam? I think he's this guy still struggling in matchups. He has not been the player that I need no, he wasn't him to be. Like that. I mean, that goes without saying, like, yeah, he's not looking like Winter last year photon for example like he's, he's really struggling yeah. in this meta to, on these laning matchups yeah, i don't know I, like honestly i don't know if it's just like skill vampires at this point or what but like that's something you shouldn't really lose like i don't know like if i if alfari shows up in the server regardless of what i might think of him as a player outside a lane or something if he gets one of it like what in theory should be a competitive lane pick i know he's going to play it out to a certain level photons just not I don't know. Well, he, just... he he picked a karma, and this is one of the principles we were talking about just there, as he doesn't look like he knew what he was wanting to do yeah. with the karma pick, and it was really painful for his like team. I don't ever want to see him on utility picks like yeah. that. He's got to be on something more interactive, yeah, for sure. But even so, yeah. like when you when you in theory have such a good understanding of trading in an in a solo lane, you should be playing even if it's a karma, like you should be playing better than that. Karma is oppressive as fuck if you can play it properly. Like Oh no, it, 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 it really, really is. But like you know what I mean? It's uh, the whole thing of like it can you get it into a matchup where like the, the, the toxicity applies in terms of like laning um prowess. What one of the other things I found quite interesting here was and no one's really kinda like touched on it, right? As this was like one of the first like playoff like settings for Douglas because he never made it with um yeah he was yeah. only in the last four games of the split last three, yeah Douglas looked really really shaky he's not had like the most amazing split right but they put like a lot like for me giving your rookie jungler right R five right on in draft for a Viego for game on game five was like a very very strange like idea. Like, that might as well just be, like... Maybe it is it comfort for him, but that doesn't mean it's easy to play in the game still, and it's a lot of pressure on the dude, but, for sure. I'm not saying... Maybe, like, Vito doesn't want to get his champ pool pinched, so it can't be Vito. But, you know what I mean? That could be, like, Karzy. That could be, like, Karzy, or that could be Photon's mm. pick there. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. I th I thought... I don't know. I thought, in a, in some ways, they were, like, relatively creative with what they were trying to do, but it just seemed a bit misguided. Um... But, like yeah, I, I think I mean, when you play, oh, I, I, by the way, I actually I didn't actually think Vitality looked that bad. I thought like compared to what I my expectations of them versus what I've seen so far, they, they actually went yeah they actually went a bit beyond what I expected over the two series SK and then they were never going to beat BDS like but they looked they were competitive they were like somewhat competitive. If they had a proper if they had a proper support right it wasn't a chocolate kettle right. They, there's a chance, there's a version of this game that's actually winnable. It's maybe yeah. like 2-1 or the actual individual games are like closer. Yeah. But like, Halasang is just playing at such a low and awful... Like, his eye for engages and like numbers advantages and what he's like pulling his like team into... But by the way, this is, terrible. I just, this is the thing. Like, I get even someone who, you know, can be as, as critical as I can be. I do get there's a level where, like, if you just keep harping on, like, about the same player, about the same deficiencies and just 
pushing, pushing, pushing like all the fucking time for like ever on a daily basis, you know, five tweets a day, then yeah, it can turn into like borderline harassment, right? Like if you take it to a ridiculous extent. But what does anyone want someone to say about Hillistang at this point? Like it's so egregious what he's doing. And I just don't know, like, I don't know. Just put like out a PSA saying, I'm never going to talk about this guy again, by the way, because I just know he's going to in like five times every single fucking time he goes on the rift. It's insane what this guy is doing. It's, it's illegal. It's so bad. It's not, by the way, if he was on an LFL team, he'd be kicked by now for like someone else, for some promising, you know, French rookie or whatever. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, to see this in the LEC, like, you're ne Hillesang is a legend, don't get me wrong. One of the greatest support, probably in terms of like career and accolades, currently the greatest support ever, at least the greatest career ever in Europe, right? But I mean, that doesn't take anything away from what he's doing now in the negative. Uh, like, it's um, I care about the player. I, the same way as I care about the, the, the player not oh, yeah, Poor Kazi, man. Like, fuck yeah. me. But the same way as I care about the player that Nuck is now, I care about the player that, like, people who are being critical on, like, Adam, like, is now, right, okay? There's no point in being like, oh, well, Nuck should have been out of the league, like, two years ago. Well, he's still here, and he's, like, good now. And yeah. the problem is, is, like, Hellasang, like, you, you, the, um, support, the, there's, like, different ways that you can be bad, okay? Like, and this is something, like, no, that's true. The all yeah, you're example, not wrong. It's just funny to hear a phrase like that, yeah. <laughs> there's, like, a, there's, like, being bad to a point where you, like, you allow your teammates to carry it, and then there's, yes. like, running it down, like, horrendous. The best example was a jungler for LGD was this guy called TBQ, right? And he knew, basically, that all his laners were gods, and he just, his floor was basically, just don't lose jungle so badly that we can, like, get the laners ahead and we'll win this game. Imp and the, uh, Acorn will carry me to the promised land, right? But Halasan doesn't look like he knows that. Like, Halasan looks like he thinks, like, these, like, situations he's getting his team in are, like, good or he's, like, front-running. But it's like, do you not actually, like, see the end result of, like, all these consecutive... Halasan like, is a, like, I must give gold to the other team style of interview. Yeah. Like, it's... It's it's insane. By the way, I heard I heard a. So I was hearing there was a really funny um come on I was watching um Dom's live view of LEC the other day. We we're saying that Darius is the ultimate anti Hillisang pick because you immediately get five stacks and a reset on him because he will always int into you. I just found that so funny because I'm like, he's not wrong really. I think Hilly's an interesting one to me because obviously I think. What I put a lot of value in on this roster was um, keeping Kazi and Hillisang with Mac and Pads. You have like a core of the roster with a core of the coaching staff, which gives you some of that structure to build around. So at least some of the communication things are in order. So that's good. However, what we're really seeing is the fact that like, I think Vitality are probably the worst team at randomly tunneling on, on something that I've seen in a very long time. Half the time, Hilly's somewhere, or Douglas is somewhere as well. This applies to most people, VTOs. This applies to everyone on the roster, where they're just randomly in some part of the map or buying into a fight, and I don't really know why they kept going. There's a fight, um, you know, with that one where Akali just flies up towards topside oh, yeah, and dies. But I was, was like, why so the hell sweet. did you ever, why the hell would you ever think halfway through that fight that you could, should continue that fight? I don't think there is anyone on this team who is reassessing what's happening. Did you hear the, you know the, you know the little comms, you know the little comm snippets they play after the game. I didn't see that one, no. When, oh, then they're like, 
Oh, they they kill the two. They get the two kills in yeah. top, and then, then Akali's just Nuke there. Starts, he's like, "Oh, Akali's coming, guys! Look, this guy's hinting!" And he just like comes <laughs> flying into the whole team, and they nuke him. It's like, yeah. "What are you but, doing?" But, but like, I um, you know, I don't mind following. I did, this is this is something where it's a weird case of being on the same page is a bad thing in this case because I don't think there is anyone reassessing what's happening midway through the fight. And um, with someone like Hilly, I think you have to be on the same page with him to get value out of this player at the best of times. But what we're seeing is like when something starts really nosediving and you just buy into a fight that's already lost, things go from bad to worse. They need a level head on the team somewhere to check the first emotion sometimes. Um, yeah. And I think that they are sorely lacking that right now. I think there are some good things that have happened with Vitality. I think one thing which I will call out, which is um, VTO has had more impact in early, outside of early lane than I've seen him do maybe yeah. Yeah, actually getting out of lane. Lot. So that's yeah. good. You know, that's a victory for the, the team and for him as a personal player and maybe the coaching staff, which is hopefully going to instill more of that in him. But like, there needs to be someone with game sense to kind of bounce off of Hilly to make sure that they're not like tunneling it. And, and I guess someone to kind of like temper Daglas as well to make sure that they actually understand halfway through a fight whether it's won or lost so they don't have to, so they can cut their losses at least because like you look at the and was it the was it the what was the jinx game was that like the first or the second game versus first bds game. first game like they should have won that game 100 percent. by the way folks so they just randomly level. tunneled in on some yeah. stupid fights and lost and i'm like this is this is so stupid um and i don't know exactly how you fix this because that's a very complex team chemistry and communication yeah. issue to sort out but like this team is the Tunnelers Incarnate. Well, that, like, that is it's the... that dude which turns up at the end of The Incredibles in the post credit scene. It's like the, 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 the Mole, Mole Man Tunneler. Yeah. We have found where he's gone. He's ended up on Vitality. And his name is Hillisang. Like, I don't think, oh, you, can, I don't think you can actually like fix it. Though. I mean, even when they did that PGL thing in like the back room and they basically, oh, yeah. basically explained like, I go in and people follow or they don't. Like at this point of that's his career as well. That's a problem at this point, actually. Yeah, that, that's like at this point of his career, you're not going to change that. I don't think there is some puppet master that can like come in or assume the role at this point. It's just fucking absolutely Rich. doomed. Yeah. Hellasang is so bad, people aren't even saying he's a shot caller. Like that's how bad Hellasang oh. is that people haven't even turned to the yeah, but he's the shot caller on the team. He's the voice. He's like, and that's usually the first thing that people turn to because as a decision making and his engages are so bad that if you were to attribute the shot calling to him, he would actively be worse. It would actually be so much worse. But I, I, like, I, I am actually interested to see how the coaches do something in this team because I think I, I was saying this on a. I, I said this on a podcast at some point somewhere, whichever one it was. This is a fascinating team to look at from like an academic perspective. If you were the coach of this trip team, what would you do? Like, like, no, no, you, 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 you put this team under the microscope and you sit there as a coach and you think, what the hell would I do with this team? It is a difficult conundrum. I just want to see what Mac and Pad do with it, actually. I want to see how much they can get out of this. Because like, we're viewing this on paper and we're like, well, that's fucked. Like, what do you do with legit? What do you do with this group of players pulling apart in different directions? I'm surprised they've gotten as far as they have, actually. Yeah. They had some pretty good games, like, here and there, which is mind blowing to me. Like, if they make it work, this is one of the actual. This is an incredible coaching, like, success. Yeah, and for, I will never doubt my for, uh, for context, for people who might not know, Photon and Douglas were locked before, like, the coaching decision was made. Yeah, so those were two the were there, things. like, no matter what. The VTO thing was, like, already in the works. And then, obviously, Hillisang and Kazi, like, kind of came with. Um, so that's, like, Mac how the, yeah. the roster was somewhat built. But again, 
there was not sort of some full autonomous control by the coaching staff for that team. Um, I did just realize, guys, I did not pin you down on predictions for the BDS G2 series, which oh, I am going right. to do now just before we move on. So, Nymera, what do you um, think is going to happen? I think it's two on BDS. I think G2 dive too... Like, they, BD, um, G2 dive beyond their wards a little too often for me. So I and I think that's going to be really problematic against BDS. I have I a question GT... for you very quickly, Nymera, because I need to push back slightly. How does yeah. one win a best of five two one? Oh, but sorry, best of five. Oh God, it's not a best of three anymore. I think it will be. It's not just me that can do it. Oh Nymera. God! Oh, <laughs> God. oh sorry, folks. I've had a long ass week. I've had yeah, like. Oh, here I've, it I've comes. A... Here oh, it shut comes. up! I had a nine game day in LPL, and I kept getting oh, like. Oh, look at that! Shut up! Shut up! Rate him in the comments. <laughs> Call it first world yeah. problems and make him feel like shit. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I think I think it's gonna be close. I think it's gonna be uh, three two BDS, and I think that's because G two. Um, I can't trust G two to have complete clean games where they won't give BDS angles to re-engage onto them in mid lane. I think that they'll win a couple of games through side lanes. I think that this is gonna be very heavy on prep, very heavy on draft. Um, but I think that G two they just make too many mistakes, which are in the same area that BDS have their strength. So I think it's going to be 3-2 BDS. I think the mistakes will win it out. What do you think, Gera? Right. So Nox's best champion is that the Azir. Yeah. But Caps is the best, like, or has shown competence on the Azir killer and Hui. And I think that a lot of this game is going to come down to, like, draft. And if G2 can kind of get away from, like, their Jekyll and Hyde form that they've been showing a little bit throughout the split. Where, like, when G2 is good, they're really good. But, like, the, fl the floor absolutely fell out the arse on their game. So, it's a rare example where everything that has happened has told me BDS probably should win. But it should be close, like 3-2. But I've got this niggling feeling that, like... G2 is going to end up beating it. And I don't know why. I very rarely like get these like types of ones. The last time I had this was, Rich, you'll know, was the rogue G2 one. Where oh, I, yeah. I, uh, th and this is the last time this happened, where everything told me that rogue should have beat it, that G2 should have beaten rogue, right? But it didn't happen. For whatever reason. And I've now got that feeling for BDS, where everything I've seen has told me BDS should win it. Um... But I, I don't know. There's a wee, I've got a feeling that G2 is going to edge them out in like some ways. And there's maybe possibly going to be like like disaster games from BDS. The, the, but the, 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 the other thing, just to talk here, and I've just thought about it actually, is the Adam B BB matchup's mega interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I just realised that because... I I wonder because what does Adam have in like response to like something like Yasuo as well like those types of picks I know he's got like Olaf and like but, like BB likes the Cassante there's so much going on up there actually that's really if interesting if it's Bruiser versus Bruiser I'm pretty sure that Adam wins yeah or like Tank versus Bruiser I think most of the time Adam wins that what I'm interested in is if G2 can nullify mm. that and have BB have and have something which can be like a long range initiator. I would need again. to write that. I would need to write that all like write that all down with like the draft like tool because I'm, yeah. I never even thought about like how complex all that is now that you've introduced Zach. But yeah, I'll I'll do what I've always said I'll do or try to do three two BDS. But on the line of that, I've got a feeling that like 
G2 well, well we're, we're dealing with two teams that have pretty much diametrically opposed strengths at points too so like it's quite hard to because it's like an arms race on both sides then right which strength is so good against the enemy's weakness that it'll work out BDS not great about around playing side lanes G2 not great around playing around like structures and gauges around mid lane and stuff like that the, the Lucian army aside because they snowballed so hard with that like this is really interesting to try and think out See, We're looking forward to that. I think this will be our banger. I'm going to go for a more expansive prediction, which is I think G2 are going to win 3-1. I think that G2, I think that G2 are going to get off enough of their picks often enough that BDS just get a little bit blindsided. I mean, it's not like these things are going to come out of nowhere, but I think for example, they'll allow the Hui through one game. They'll allow the Zack through to see like how they can deal with it or whatever and over the course of a singular series i think g2 will win out basically through like experience and now but the expansive part of the prediction is i believe they will meet again in the final that's not much of a prediction i think most people probably think that and bds will win bds um, will have uh enough yeah a huge thing about this as well draft prediction whoever has marco wins i think marco is a hundred percent win rate in this series by the way i think it's so important to both teams and i think that both teams really use Even either use it well or play badly against it Either if, like, if they play with one of the Malkai counters, like, uh, like the... I mean, Brand is the counter. Brand is the real counter. Because, like, Brand, like, if you and play... And then early game, Lilia just murders them? Um, but then late game, Lilia gets hit by the ult and dies. Um, whereas Brand can sit behind another tank but, and then just one-shot around it. But with a Braum? We'll see. We won't, <laughs> we know, we won't see, because that champion won't be played. Uh, well, yeah. Lilia? No, Braum. Um, no. How? I don't, I don't see that. I don't see those two champions being played in conjunction in this series. I don't, I don't know how you draft a tree. I don't know how you do a draft I mean, tree between see, these two the enemy, teams and you see I mean, those you see, two champions come out on the same team. By like, the way, if you're playing Braum against Marco, you feel pretty bad because like you can't actually stop the engage, which is like the Braum shield not. Is it not counted as a projectile for Braum? No, shield? no, it does, it does. Oh, right, but okay. like you're still blocking it with your body either way. It's just that Braum is just outranged. So the, the, the thing. I was just curious if like, 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 it worked the way I like, thought it did. Um, brand is it like the whole brand thing is that if you play a lower range champion into brand, you are fucked. This champion just burns you. So if Marco ever uses W, he dies. If there is someone to stand in front of him to tank the tank it when he W's in, um, he just burns the, the Marco for free. So that's really not fair to the Marco. He just can't do anything about that. Um, but yeah, there's um. There, there there are some interesting draft dynamics. I think that both these teams are really good around playing Marco or like something. Or they, or they like play poorly around it because G2, when they overdive, a Maokai ult just really cucks them. They're like, there's a lot of things which can go on with that pick. So that's one of my predictions. Like, it's a powerful yeah. pick in general, no, but no. I think that is huge. No, no, by the way, I, I'm not losing my mind. The reason I've seen this interaction is, is not this specific one, but um, SR, Shopify Rebellion, used yeah. it to beat uh, Cloud9 um, in NA. Because, but they, the way they've done it is the Lilia got cleansed by Milio instead. Oh, yeah, oh, when you're playing around okay. Milio, then Lilia can play a bit more with that. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Or, but you could use, like, because Mickey X has a, a, a higher posterity to playing Brom, you can use, like, Brom to do it as well. Anything, like, with, like, uh, the ability to cleanse, like, an, an ally, like, Look. a. Either way, I just think the long-range engage tool of the Maokai, like particularly when you can respond from it, like from out of vision, just it it screw. It's either really good for both these teams or really bad. Like that, that both these teams are disproportionately affected by this pick because they look for like these very clutch engages. So, so he responds to quickly. Hundred percent. It'll be a hundred percent win rate in this series. But I think it's a hundred percent win rate in this series. Legit. Wow, that's bull. Anyway, boom. we have talked boom. enough about this series. I think it is definitely fair to say. So let's talk about a much less interesting series: uh, SK versus Heretics. Um, no, actually. 
you think this on pay? I actually think this one could be kind of interesting because I think that there's no way that SK are as badly prepped uh, as they were for the previous series for this one. And I, I don't know. I really don't know where to go with this. I do, I do think that SK are kind of starting to show what I think most people said about them initially, including myself, which was they do seem like fairly low ceiling, like they're very solid out of the block. Um, I think irrelevant at Mega, by the way, even though they obviously uh, that did not go how they would have hoped for on the rest of the map. But I think irrelevant's looking good. Um, as I said before, I think it was very questionable in the Vitality series giving Douglas Brand back to back. I don't think you'll see these kind of fumbles again. Um, but yeah, and then Heretics. I, I don't know. I mean, to me, these are like two similar. Uh, similar strength teams, I suppose. Not to say that they have similar strengths, but they are of similar strength. Uh, Nymera, what what do you make of this matchup? Who do you fancy in this one? Well, ain't that the question? Um, I think SK. You know, they had a really good formula coming into week one. Um, from from memory, I, I seem to remember praising them for having really good play when they had three pushing lanes and an aggressive jungler but that's kind of free win for most teams but they played well around it and isma had very inventive passing to make sure that he could make use of his pushing lanes um and slowly over time they've had less and less good matchups for them on the table and i think they've started to panic panic a little bit and try and find a new identity which has not particularly worked for them in their series versus vitality um I looked at, you know, Niski playing Hue and then Lucian mid, and I just thought, these are not Niski champions right now. Um, I look at that Hue in particular, and I'm like, I don't see how you are the person who is, like, pushing out your lane and being a big roaming threat and helping your jungler in the way that Isma kind of needs. Um, and the Lucian mid, it, it's a little bit similar to that in the case of that you can push out your lane, but Lucian isn't someone who pushes and then immediately skirmishes from mid lane. He wants to be staying in lane and poking you down um on the whole anyway so i think that like i hated that pick i i i really that. didn't like what was happening in mid jungle for those two i mean execute and dos they're, they're playing the meta shit i don't think there's like a i don't think it's a um you know drafting for that. instead of lucian i think tristana is a much better pick for for niski there too because could, like, it's been, just... could have been trust yeah it could have been trust yeah yeah yeah, yeah it well, could have been trust yeah i'd imagine the lucian was like a flex pick to be like oh whatever and uh, yeah so i think trying to be cute like Mid jungle, I I think that they just they they didn't they didn't have a particularly good identity for what they were doing. Where it's like you know you have like very good early skirmishes which can um, kind of like roam around the map and Niski can do his thing where he is just like the jungle buff um, for for Isma. I think Isma's looked quite mortal in this series. Where where well, I mean, what what's their score from the first week? Because they went three and in week one, right? Haven't they won like one one only one or two games since then? Because they've, yeah, they've lost. They finished on five wins. Finished on five wins I and think. weren't three of them. For, they might have won like one game a week since then. Or maybe it was like a, I don't know, something like that. They had a really good start and then they've, that, well, now obviously they've gone 0 2 in that series as well. So I think that's going to be a worry in terms of like, can they rediscover an identity which allows Isma. Like, is, is Isma going to have like a platform to play aggressive early pathing junglers? like he did in Movistar as well, and actually was quite successful at that. Because I don't think Isma is great when he is put under pressure. If you get into his jungle and you put him into like a, a, a quandary of early camps in which he's, to, uh, you know, how does he pass to get value without getting shut out? I think he's one of the junglers which is most susceptible at that, which I think is a problem when you're against someone like Yankos, who in clutch games is very good at that. Um, now, I think 
Perks hasn't been on good form recently. His last week or two has been pretty shit. So if then that ends up tilting in favor of Niski, who's not under pressure in mid lane, he gets his champion pull back into good order or whatever. That could also go impact on jungle matchup because Jankos, on the other side of things, you know, Jankos is incredible, but he does play the margins of error and sometimes goes into enemy jungle or something or into one area of the map without priority at other points too. We saw that, a well, that was something that happened against um, Mad Koi, right? Where oh, there was one of the games where like he, he gets shut down early in the jungle as well from um, does Jankos. So there's a lot of stuff which I'm looking at in the mid jungle in the mid jungle TV2 and how that that works out. I don't really have a solid prediction on it though cuz neither of these teams look particularly good and there's a lot of stuff which they could address which would up their value quite significantly. But like it really depends on what they've spent their off time doing. Yeah. No, I think it's uh Yeah, it's an interesting one that I would probably actually go for SK is my prediction just because I feel like the solo laners as I said I think SK will adjust their draft quite a lot I think they've probably learned I hope they have learned from uh, their last series and I think Irrelevant and Niski as solo laners have been much more impressive than Wonder and Perks as solo, solo laners this season um, I do agree that like the experience now and sort of ability to do everything of Jankos is potentially a, a problem for Isma. But um, yeah, that's, that's kind of just how I'm, I'm seeing this series. I think you're also seeing like the importance of solo laners playing well already. This split is really fucking important. Um, and especially because of how damage is now distributed, like a little bit differently than it was before. Like this is probably the weakest AD carries have been like in terms of at least their, their significance of like oh if you nuke the adc you just win the team fight i really don't in feel EU, like you yeah well, yeah, yeah like if you're at lck lpl no sure different but, but we're yeah. playing we're playing with like so many super like hyper carry mid laners right now as yeah well. that's true. and obviously lots of double ad carry setups so like the idea that you just vile uh adc and the fight's over is not really a thing right now um so i do think the importance of solo laning is pretty important right now and i give the edge to sk there kira what do you think about this matchup uh, I think just generally, I think SK should most likely just win the matchup outside uh, Heretics getting their hands on some of their like winning enable pieces like the Seraphine Senna. Uh, and an interesting one I think is like Perks is kind of like the perfect player to be playing the Karma right now. Oh, that's make... true actually. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, I don't want to really see like the edge roll. Well, I, I was actually less critical. <laughs> I don't of... want to see that either. Jesus now. wept. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, I was actually less critical of like perks generally, but the one thing I was trying to this put this split anyway, um, I tried to get across to people was he inexplicably just makes like the weirdest like fucking like big X eras errors like game losing ones at like just the strangest times uh, and gets caught in like very very weird like pockets. Um, he perks has looked like he's really struggled to translate like, his understanding of, like, team fight shape and, like, angles into, like, this era of the LEC. Um, I think Wonder and Flat have generally been uh, the best performers in terms of, like, carries getting along the line. But for me, that, that that's not really saying much. And I don't think Wonder will be getting the better of, like, Irrelevant. However, we have seen... Irrelevant and Isma play into topside situations like into Cabo Shard and mis-execute them. So yeah, if they have, if they're under pressure in top lane early, they fucked that man. 
Like, Irrelevant yeah. was put under the bus. It was really bad. <laughs> I, I think I was really, really disappointed in SK's drafting going into the series. I don't think it enabled their strengths. I liked the carry picks for Irrelevant, but I wasn't as keen on the picks for enabling, like, Isma. And I feel like Isma... When, when, when SK were doing well, right, okay... I was always like finding. I talked to Thorne about this. I, I, he he had a good point. I was like, even though everyone talks about uh, SK and they're doing well, no one do, ever actually had the thing of like putting them number one. And it's like you, it was kind of hard to verbalize the reason. And a lot of the things was or like just player strength or star power or like whatever metric you kind of wanted to use. Because I didn't think their early games were like terrible. They're like pretty good. Um, I think they had some really good like uh, objective like macro and I think they had one of the better top laners in the league and one of the better mid laners and Exakick showed like a pretty good like range of understanding of different bot lanes. He was one of the first people to effectively play out like the Lucian um, uh, the, the Lucian into Karzy but even when you see all these positives there is something that like keeps you back um what, one of the things I would say about them is when they're put in behind, right, of the of the good teams, they're the least likely to, like, come back into a game and, like, set up, like, the necessary, like, plays and pockets and, like, scenarios to get themselves back into games. I feel like, like, that is, and this is me re-watching their game, because when they're, pl- they're really good at front-running and playing from lane like lanes that like do well usually like if Exa kicks playing well with DOS or Irrelevant's got a lane lead top and Nifty's good at u- utilising that but it's when they lose control of those like metrics they their decision making isn't as like good I would still edge them out over like Heretics I really haven't found like a lot to be confident in Heretics they are basically just like the space that Fnatic was in uh, during the summer of 2022 where you buy a bible get in bed and you mm. pray to god the players get good um because they haven't actually showed <laughs> no but they haven't showed a propensity to be good at anything outside of when they get seraphine and senna like they went on that but like, what do you think as a team they're actually good yeah, at like heretics well that's the thing though for me it's like the the biggest positive that i can say about heretics is like kaiser's playing a little bit better than i thought he would that's, like, yeah, a that's team. a big thing for me too, actually. Yeah. No, but like, uh... as, as a team, like, what do you think Heretics are good at? I don't think they're good at team fight. I don't think they're good at objective control. I don't think they're good at side laning outside Wonder. Wonder has some like pretty nice side laning. I, think I don't think they're good at... okay at playing to bot. Um, I think especially like when Flacked um... and Kaiser like get the their comfortable picks. I think they can win games uh, through that, but. Yeah, I mean, I, is that about, uh, and, that, and that's where we're at. That's about like the only. Well, I good think thing that I've... Kaiser is pretty good at roaming as a support because I think that's. I mean, he's picked the champions to do that, but like when he's been on Bard or something like that, he's actually gotten out of lane fairly effectively and put that across the map. So that is a positive. Um, is that enough to win you a game? No. When we went back to our, so to, to if we go back to the tier list and think about the problems that we had with this team, I think we were all pretty aligned on saying, well, who's going to be like the resource heavy? Yeah. I will carry the game yeah. if you give me this. I think we are seeing this now. I it took us a little while to see it because I actually think that you know that they're solid players across the board. Yeah, they're solid. I think that you know Perks had a couple of bad games, but they're solid. But the big problem is when it's come to the when push has come to shove. No one is going to be the primary carry who will yeah. carry your games in the stressful situations. And that's why when you have something like the Seraphine, um, you know, the Seraphine Center stuff like that, that kind of bypasses it because then just the whole team fight block 
this whole like death ball unit is so hard to deal with that no one has to be the primary carry at that point. It should which is be, why I think it die passes. It that. should be flacked, in my opinion. I think flacked is or like perks. Sorry? Or perks. No, for for me the reason why I say it should be flacked and not perks is because I think playing for flacked is much more replicable than playing for perks because perks is especially now Kaiser's oh, laning phase is actually okay I, I especially Kaiser's actually playing well and well and well enough in lane right now yeah. um i think that actually yeah. that's that's more solo replicable, yeah. carry, but this is the thing we we're just talking about, talking about here if you do solo threats right now they are a thingy to like lockdown drafts which yeah, there's a lot of champions yeah. which be single carry comps. Carry but like, comp. but, you, but yeah. you do need at least one carry is yeah. the problem. Yeah, okay, I, I, no I, one's I, really I, standing I, up. It's not that it's not that I wouldn't ever put perks on like a, a, a carry champ. I mean, that's not what I'm really saying. I'm saying like that the reliable carry, in my opinion, should be flacked more often than not because I think Flax has shown over let's call it I don't know 18 months that he's pretty reliable at being a pretty decent carry. I think. Perks has shown some very decent games at times, some horrible games at times, and most of the spectrum in between. Like, I don't want to see that in best of series. Like, to have him as a second option on whatever he wants to pick. I mean, ideally, you'd like Perks to just play something like fucking Oriana, to be honest, at this stage, and then have Flax play the meta carries. That would be what I would say was pretty sensible. But yeah, I don't... I mean, I don't like this Heretics lineup. I never have. I think that made that very clear. I did actually think they would be a little bit better positioned in winter than they currently are. Like I thought, because I, in my opinion, I think it's only downhill from here, by the way. I don't think this team's going to get better. Um, so yeah, that is obviously disappointing. But I mean, it is what I it is. I don't have a lot to say, positive to say about Heretics yeah. in the sense of like, I can identify like what SK are like bad at like a good at and then where SK's flaws are and then if heretics choose to expose like SK's flaws it's just that there are so many flaws on fucking heretics that like how am I supposed to know when in the game Perks is going to make like the critical error that like he like he sometimes make it's like just so random or like you know what I mean what would you call it? they set up for an objective and they don't like have any of the like warding in the correct place and someone just face checks into like the wrong like like tries to go into a flanking pocket and they face check into it and get like chunked out like on a pre-objective. Like there's just too many. Oh, I have one more thing to me. say about them. I have one more thing. Um, Yankos has massively failed to replicate his performance from last year. Yeah. On arguably a more stable team, actually, yeah. as well. I think that um, you know, Yankos last year, I in some ways he had an easier job strategically to say, well, this part of the map is fucked. I need to play towards someone who is go, you know, at least has a payoff when when enabled. Who do you who who do you who do you enable in this team to like fix this situation? Because at least Yankos could be like, well, I mean, I'm never going to give resources like topside. I'm just going to like hope that I can survive on survive on my own with like zero top pressure and then try and feed VTO <laughs> to the point where he carries. What do you do in this in this in this team? Right, no one is going to be that. You want to give something fun to Nymira? He Go ganked for more for Evi than he did Wonder. Countable, yeah. by the way. Actually, you can go count it. Um, that's another Azir flank one. You can, anyone that wants to do yeah. it, you can go count it. He ganked more for Evi than he did one. No, just, wasn't, just in case, like, just in case anyone's I actually, I actually don't remember specifically, but I think I remember have, like one of the biggest criticisms I was levying at Yankos was that he was spending too much too time much ganking. with Evi. Well, so, yeah. that, so that was really interesting because you had a load of early season games where he'd do nothing top lane because he had to give everything to mid lane. And also, if you went top side, you'd be in a 2v3 because VTO would never roam. 
So that was one thing which happened there. Then at the end of the split, he'd gank top lane all the time, and then they'd mis-execute yeah. the 2v2 and the 2v1. There was one game yeah, against uh, BDS, yeah, right. but like, they 2v1 completely fucked it. So like, what the pendulum ended up swinging from no top pressure to all top pressure, and then obviously neither of these things ended up getting the balance which they needed to. But... I think Yankos is very good when, like, strategically is like, well, okay, here is what I need to achieve and the route to it. I think the problem is that it's yeah, so vague about what he actually needs to achieve in the early game that, it, I mean, the, the vague notion of just, like, don't be shit, <laughs> just have some value on the map, don't fall apart, um, that's not winning you a game. Now, if you do end up just tunneling and say, look, bot lane, let's set up bot lane. I think bot side 3v3s right now are very powerful. I think that's how Vitality can maybe get some kind of structure around that. Um... But they need to have that recognition. They need to have a game plan to say, someone stick their hands up and say, I'm going to carry this, give me the resources. That was a problem that we saw from the roster building. And I think we're seeing that on the Rift. And that's hopefully, if someone can finally take goddamn responsibility for themselves, that could be how they make their way through this. But it's it's a short turnaround time to do that. In. Yeah, I'm going for a cheeky 2-1 SK, I think. What are you saying, Kira? 2-0, but like, it could be 2-1, but I think it should be 2-0. Nymera? Uh, 2-0 SK, but I'm not happy about it. <laughs> I, to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if Heretics won, because they have exactly. enough, enough players who could play well Both to of win, these teams but... have glaring issues that they yeah. could turn around for one series against another struggling team. Like, this is the yeah. worst kind of prediction to make. They're like, yeah. even if I get it right, it's probably by some goddamn wrong logic, and that frustrates me. <laughs> Right, let's talk about the last series, at least that we know about this week, because obviously Vitality and Fnatic are TBD, uh, which is our good friends in Spain, Mad Lions, versus our other good friends in Spain who aren't really in Spain, uh, Giant X. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I think this is a really interesting series, actually. Because mm. again, like every time Mad play, they're super fun to watch, regardless, like win, lose, it's just super fun. And Giant X, I think most people will say like, oh, Giant X just aren't very good. And you would be correct, by the way. But I think specifically this matchup is actually a bit of a hellish matchup for Mad. I don't mean hellish in the sense that it's like, whoa, they're going to be like a G2 like behemoth to Mad. I just mean that, you know, vis-a-vis Giant X's level, this is a preferable matchup for Giant X, I think, in a lot of ways. Uh, Nymera, what, what do you think about this uh about this series i think ari and eu exists to hurt me i think that this champion the way that is played in this region it is a direct attack on everything that i am spirit and body because god freaking damn it i hated the way that jackie's played this champion like he was against them um, caps this way and let me just tell you from playing this matchup and talking to other ari mains about this matchup ari is a good matchup into this champion and jackie's fucked it like, this is meant, once you're 2 0 1 on this champion versus G2, like, there are certain things which are meant to happen. Namely, you all in him before he pokes you out, and you build high burst so he can never stand against you. He did neither of those things. He had a whole load of things which I ended up criticizing on Twitter, and I'm going to have to make another PowerPoint. Uh, I, think, I think we're going to have to take the L here. Uh, Jackie is believed to be the head of the Ari fan club, and he's correct, and you're wrong, Nymira. And he, he all, all your facts and logic. If you build like, full cooldown reduction field. in a it's burst matchup and you've bypassed field. it, like, oh, by the way, no no self-respecting Ari main is passing up going Lich Bane on this patch. It is so disgustingly strong on this champion. Anyway, so what this wraps up into, like, I do actually have a point of this besides the meme of, you know, I've got all my Ari merch somewhere over there in the background. Um, like, 
I think that Giant X don't know how to play their compositions really when they're on the Rift. And what I will give credit to Mad is that even though their compositions are out there, they at least know how to pilot them, even if some of the setup for it is wrong and sometimes they overdive and sometimes they don't have a plan B. I will give credit to the fact that when they play the Fiddlesticks top or whatever, like, the theory is there. Whereas for Giant X, like, I think they're pretty good individual players on the whole. But, like, I don't think they understand what they are doing with the champions there. So, for instance, with this Ari because obviously, I've had a lot of vested interest in what this champion does. I look at what this champion should achieve, which is being able to all-in the Hui, which is a very fragile, um, low-mobility carry in the mid lane, which can explode if you get ahead of the game. You are 2-0-1, you didn't build a Dark Seal for seal stacking, you didn't go to full burst, you went on to full utility and proceeded to do nothing with it. That shows to me, you do not understand your role within the game. I'm worried that if you see a different composition across the rift from you, even though you have veteran players like Oduamne and Ignar, this is not something which is limited to, to um, Jackies, across the team, I think this team has shown at points that they don't really understand the compositions that they are playing and how it interacts into the team composition against them. So if Mad have enough ammo in, you know, have enough ammo um, in the magazine for a best of three to surprise the team which is not as organized as the teams that they've played before or whatever um i think that giant x could have issues with kind of recognize what they're facing up against what do you think gary hmm i, I liked the direction the general direction of like giant x's like draft even though it can go a little bit in terms of antithesis of their players um like for example you know you had like the Yumi and like you have the Yumi Ari can be like very very like potent but Ignar didn't show like a lot of propensity and the way that Yumi you can correct me here Nymira I know as, as long as being the fox girl aficionado you are also oh, shut up. the, the shut flying up. The she's not a cat girl she's just a cat she's also cats don't have eyebrows by the way she has like a French mustache for eyebrows you know the really like stereotypical one you're also the uh, flying carpet cat specialist as well and as such i will behold myself to your expertise on the yume so the way it works is, is like because yumi's laning with the israel the, the, she ends up being the israel's best friend yeah but then she actually wants to be on the Zinjiao or the are so then you don't get the bonuses because you've actually paired so long with the israel is that the correct yeah so whoever you, so you get stacks on the amount of cs that you take while attached um yeah. the and then also the amount of kills you get as well so basically your lane partner will be your best friend which gets the bonuses from your abilities the entirety of the game so so the problem here is is that you want the yumi to be on the Ari or the zenjao going in but you've built up all the best friend stacks on the israel and so you've kind of got like a bit of anti-synergy anti in terms of like what the champion theory used to do on the pack you know, Ari Akali with a Yumi on it was one of the old yesteryear very potent And like, bruises are the big ones for that, but yeah. Anything yeah. which goes in allows the Yumi to go in with them, yeah. So, I thought that was, like, interesting, but maybe, like, misplaced in terms of, like, how strong it was. Um, the other, like, big one for me was... you. I know you're talking about it as, like... Uh, Jackie's, like, sometimes, like, like mis-executes. But, like, the best thing I'm liking right now is the fact that he's, like, going forward and, like, making, like, plays and playing with, like, a sense of, like, confidence and direction. He's, like, the thing I always say is, is like, I don't think he's good right now, but I think he's further along the path of, like, possibly being, like, good to great further down the line than someone like Nuke was because of the 
the the risks and the forefronting he is like willing to um he's he is willing to like take i think jackie's needs some game sense trained into him a little bit but yeah, actually like he's actually being proactive which i like and one of the really big ones is that when you're an, an assassin focused player which he is and you're playing competitive in the lac the re-finding your like game sense for windows timings what pockets to stand in what flanks to be in you have to completely redefine and discover that um when you like go up the levels and the tiers you know what i mean so there is that i I just think i was really really like confused like for example one of the things is like if you know they're going to be any good one of the, the underlying things for me was like you know patrick's patrick sorry had to be like one of, if not like the best, one of the best ADCs in the region, and I think he's just been like relatively middling. I don't, he wasn't as terrible as he was last winter, but I don't think Patrick's is as good as he was in, for example, yeah, the summer. I think Ignar hasn't helped him in lane that much. Ignar no. really struggled in lane, but yes, on an individual we, level as well, Patrick is not. But really then you pick a Yumi with that, and you that's even going to exacerbate it oh. more. There isn't any sorry. And so actually on the Yumi as well, because actually I did want to chime on this because inevitably we'll move on to other stuff. This is also part of the lack of understanding thing. You know, I've talked about it from the RE perspective because of course I would. But um, if you are picking the Yumi into a center lane with a center Maokai, that's a free lane. You have to understand whatever is locked in against you is getting a free lane. Now, both of you might have a free lane in some situations and you're hoping to get more value out of the Yumi. But when you're doing that against like a center Maokai, that is so, so dangerous for yourselves. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, there is some logic into saying that you stop center stacking souls on you as much because you can't target the Yumi for the second hit for a passive. So there is some denial of souls, but it is not nearly the same value of, like, shutting down the goddamn center before she gets too problematic at that point. And, yeah, I don't think that um, they utilize the Yumi well. I mean, we've seen some weird Yumi shit popping up recently. For the... Wait, did you see the Ramus Yumi game in LPL, by the way? absolutely yeah. hilarious it didn't work i love the idea though whereas i look at this draft and i'm like i don't even see what the idea is because you're scaling up against the center and the marker and i just feel like center is absolutely going to eclipse you you're not giving patrick any leverage into the game to snowball and potentially show the hand stiff ignore has no playmaking opportunity to be a roaming creative playmaker as i would say his is his strength and like you're just setting yourself behind against the Senna and the Maokai, which are going to get way more gold than they really should at that but point. Here's the thing: I can understand that against like G2. Like for example, at like let's just say uh, like I've got the gold chart here. You know, at, like 22 minutes, G2 only had like a 2,000 gold lead, 2,800 gold lead. A minute before that, it was like 800. So that's where it like started. Yeah. At the exact same time, in the next game, G2 had a 16,000 gold lead. Because like G2 once they had seen it and they, that is the thing about g2 if they see the same thing multiple times they are so good at learning it it's like why if they see the same team multiple times they actually get better against playing against them or like yeah you know i mean when they get when they lose to something they very rarely lose to it like multiple like, times or like quite good at producing solutions however like we didn't really see that for giant x like they kind of ran back similar drafts like both times and to me, you know, like, game one, you know, it was close. And then in game two, you run it back the same way again. But actually, in my opinion, a worse version of it. I think Giant X should, in general, like, beat Mad Lions. I think, like, in terms of, like, the the like, the like principles and, like, the st- more stability of the team, they could, like, win. The thing that scares me is in the sense of, like, if Mad Lions, like, get, like, an a draft or, like, a combination... 
into Giant X, is Giant X just going to run it back and let them play it twice? You know what I mean? If they're put onto the back foot, are they going to just let like Mad Lions run back some like tech draft twice? Well, Another... That's my worry because I don't think they, I don't think that Giant X have shown great game understanding of what they're facing. So yeah, I have yeah. worries about that. Yeah, and so. For me, another thing is, and this is the good thing. Now, we all seen Friscovi play, right? Okay. I've all seen Friscovi play Poke Israel. It wasn't good. It might be one of the worst mid lane performances in LEC in a while. It was pretty terrible. There is a version of this game where, like, Friscovi, like, gets, like, blown up. You know what I mean? And Jackie's on an assassin, front runs the game. However, Peach and. Jackie's, I have not seen execute what Friscovi and the lawyer have been able to. Like, yeah, at least, just... at least, I mean, at least they full send it, right? I appreciate that about like Friscovi and uh, Melio. They full send it, like they will all in with each other. Yeah. And the other thing is, is like, if Merwin is going to just get the counter pick, Odo Amno in every single game, he will find some sort of like cancer, <clears throat> like of like cancer and solo lane counter pick has looked to be like quite potent in all its formats um i i think it's kind of a hard game to call but like i do feel like there is like a better floor there from the, the a better floor to be found from uh from giant x um i think it'll be like super interesting this matchup and the bdsg2 ones are like the ones i'm actually looking forward to the most because there's like so many questions uh, to be uh, to be answered, uh, Mad Lions are just like a quite a wild card like team, and they're yeah. kind of like fun. They're kind of fun to watch for like anyone to when they play against anyone. Oh. Here's a question. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. No, and actually on that note no, as well, to returning to something that I said, um, I was speaking with uh, Thorin on the Best Damn League Show about this. But like, I was actually really annoyed after week one and then week two of LEC, thinking, well, week one was super boring. No interesting picks were put through it. It looked like teams were not very inventive with anything. They watch LCK play and then they copy what they did in week two. And I was just sat there thinking, do we not do any of our own research in Europe? Where is the research and development? Where's yeah. the weird shit? Where's any of this? Credit to Mad Lions. It hasn't always worked, but they're doing different shit. We need more of that. You need more of that because there's no point just being an imitation of the great teams in other regions in the world. And credit to them. I think Mad Lions ahead of most other teams have really tried to do something different. But like, where do you think, Like, because this is like a big thing, do you think going into this, this one, Agnar is going to be playing like Yume? I bloody hope not, but right. we'll see. Where do you think that comes from? Because that was random. Um, I mean, there, there was that was was that still on four? Was that on fourteen two or fourteen one? Because if it's fourteen two, if it's no. fourteen two, then it's basically just like oh, Ezreal strong works works with Ezreal. That's typically what you're looking at, right? Because Ezreal is super strong on fourteen two. So we're gonna keep seeing more Ezreal somewhere, right? Because his like W and his R. Both Hopefully got, like, not buffs. on Frescovi's mid lane. We're not seeing that as real. No, that was fourteen. It's fourteen two. It's fourteen two. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's probably that's probably why. It's probably just because oh, it's something that worked with Ezreal in the past. Let's try and see if it works now. I guess. So okay. my my feelings on this uh, matchup is heavily dependent on goes without saying, I suppose, but on the strategy and particularly the drafting strategy that Giant X comes into this because I think. Speaking of not pushing the boat out, I think if Giant X drafts super safe, they win this series. I think if they just put Oddo, like keep him as far away as humanly possible, away from shit like Udir, and I don't want to see him first time Karma, like get all this shit out of the way, ban Karma, because uh, Maurin loves Karma, and just 
put him on some super awesome meta auto tank or Zach or whatever the shit that we know that he can play and always be perpetually relevant. Um, for Scovy, I'm hearing what you say with like the, the mid jungle synergy. And I do agree that like from a synergistic perspective, I think they've actually been better than Peach Jackies have been wholly unimpressive in my opinion as like a 2v2. Um, but for Scovy individually, I'm well, not impressed with whatsoever. I think he's the worst mid laner in the league. And I think actually Jackie's who, to my mind, is very talented, but has looked quite nervy during a lot of these laning phases and matchups haven't been going really how they should have been going a lot of the time. I think that he, this is a chance for him to just straight up body Frescovy. Can uh, I just say that, like, I'm feeling pretty good now about what we said, despite pre-split being a fucking shit show and not knowing most of the stuff that was going to happen in the league. Like, the Frescovy thing, we nailed that one. The mad team being, like, being, like, random all picks, but then solo lane's going to suffer. We nailed that one. SK running out of steam after week one and, and not really being that, but we will nail that one. We've got a couple of good picks here. Oh, folks. more than a Come couple, back mate. Us up, man. The, only pick, the only picks that I would say are like, dra not even drastically different. Like, I mean, I think, BDS is probably the big yeah, one. Yeah, but B BDS yeah. is, is significantly different. Mad is not really meaningfully yeah. different. Like, it's whatever. Um, but yeah, Frescovy. Oh. As a, yeah, go on, go. No, 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 sorry. I, I just got like a little those thoughts when you go. But yeah, and also I think worth noting if i'm i think that if again if they stick to sort of a safe and sensible strategy of how they pick for bot lane as well i feel pretty confident about it because even um yeah again like keeping him fucking ignore off the yumi put ignore on something that's comfortable i think that's very important here um i'd also be a little bit disturbed with such a sort of vanilla generic pick like Rakan and how Alvaro looked on that. That is the worst Rakan I think I've ever seen in LEC. Not an exaggeration, by the way. I think that's the worst Rakan performance I've ever seen. This guy did not land a W until about 25 minutes. It was ridiculous, but that game obviously got um, well, extended. Which is actually insane, by the way, because I actually think there's an argument to say that Alvaro has been the best player on MAD over the course oh, yeah, of all sure. of the games, yeah. which is insane. because like, yeah. And this guy is also like the core of the shot calling an early game that this team does, by the way, because that's how it worked on Movistar Riders and with his coach with Melzad as well. So I, I was very, very kind of it's like... Just... Yeah, but, interested to see how we do with that. But that, it was that's doubly insane, it was doubly odd because Rakan is kind of like I don't know, like the Lee Sin for jungle or a, a Thresh of yesteryear for support players or something like that. Like it's the champ like Lucian for AD. Like everyone can play that champion. You know, it's like everyone can play Rakan, and he just couldn't. He could not play Rakan. So I think that's a bit weird because Rakan is very much still front and center in the meta, especially if you wanted to pair it. I mean, I'd quite like to see. Uh, um, uh, Giant X plays Zyra Khan. I know that's like not the super priority, high priority ADCs right now. No, I think you put, Ignar's Rakan. Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. You put Ignar on something he's comfortable with. Patrick Zyre is insane. Probably Legendary, the yeah. best in the region. Probably the best uh, Zyre in the West. So something like that. I'd even be, I, I want to see super boring vanilla drafting from Giant X. And then I want to see super crazy... How can we like unstick this team drafting from Mad? And then I think you're gonna have a fucking cool Ooh. series. Um, yeah, yeah go on, Garrett. Talking about discovery, and that's what I was saying, right? And this was like another thing to talk about, like people figuring this out. So lots of people are playing Varus for like poke Varus, and it has like laning prowess. Now, this was actually all the way back. I'd like written it down, and I forgot to bring it up for a video because he played the Kaiser, 
Yeah. I am so surprised in the current state of EU right now, nobody has went towards the Pope Kaiser. That's the other like big one that I'm kind of waiting for like people to bring, uh, to bring it out. Pope way Kaiser's harder to land. Dead. It's also kind of dead now again. Like they changed the way that it works quite badly. I tell you, so there was a Kaiser game in LPL and it's picked up in Korean solo queue, which is um. Well, I know that he, I know that VT obviously did play the Kaiser move with the Pope, but like it's kind of dead. But you can play Eclipse Kaiser Ka for like assassination, which is fun. He didn't. He didn't play. Um. He didn't play Pope Kaiser. Oh, in the oh game. he just played the um AD he character. Just played AD. Yeah. Um. It's it basically a, a AP like rend uh, without a like hybrid. What, isn't isn't the problem that you can't get AP upgrade off of one item now? So like Nash, so it used to be like Nash's Rage Blade would give you, and then like an extra pick out or like a Dirk something that would give you all three upgrades. It's harder to get the three upgrades, which means that you miss your power spike compared to what you used to, which means that you then miss out on some of the important points in the game. Like that's been one of the really big points. So when you're against something like a, a Varus or whatever, he hits his first item and he's already a threat. Kaiser needs time. Um, in fact, Dokdam played at um, Kaiser today and it looked really not great actually. Because you just take too long to unlock. I'm not seeing the games. Is he playing Pope Kaiser? Um, he played Eclipse Kaiser. So he was playing the Assassin. Play. Yeah, he was playing the yeah. Assassin Kaiser. Because, no, the, but the, the same problem I'm... stands, right? It takes too long to come online. Uh, in my mind, anyway. Uh, because the thing that I, f I found like interesting was as like other ADCs that like who are banning into Callista or having the Varus banned against them. As like they play the Kaiser for like uh, uh, for the next form of like comfort because we've seen like lots of like meds and ADCs like even like Kansama like go towards like the Kaiser. Now I'm not saying it's like brilliant with like the ranges, but that was like something of the last season in summer that like teams like turned to turn to as like a development um, as like the the year went on. And I was just kidding because you have like a, a, a similar to the virus, you have like a wide variety in terms of like picks. And so when I think of like Patrick as a player, and this is what triggered the thought here, is Patrick has the access to like a very, very large champion pool of like ADCs, but it's not really been like abused like at all from by like GX like whatsoever. And I know like it's not always like the easiest like role to like flex, but we know it's not like we've seen them develop like a Lucian Jackie's sorry, Lucian Jackie's Patrick Flex. You know what I mean? A Tristana, Patrick, Suna and Flex, like these like types of things, which was like one of the things that I thought would could be a possibility for the team. And so they look what they're kind of going to do for like Rich is like the very like standard like terms of like drafting is what we want to like see. But when you know this like type of like standard like drafting is going to become, it has its own like form of like obviousness. That like if I was like Mad Lions and I look at how G GX want to win the game, like I could, you could draft very heavily for like set piece like team fights, and that would without even having to like do specifics, you would already be like bet like more suited to winning like those team fights than like you know what I mean GX would with their just like in brackets like standard like draft. Um, so I think there's like a small bit of like scary, a small degree sorry of scariness, um, in doing something like that. Also, think potentially a lawyer could just be like the best player on the server and oh, like yeah. steal games, which is like another like possibility. That like... oh, don't you love when you have all of this great analysis and it just doesn't yeah. matter because one player just goes like super saiyan. Yeah, I love super that. Yeah. I love then people come back to videos that you say stuff on and like oh, you were so wrong because a lawyer is great. And we're like, yeah, this is irrelevant for what we do. Like it's. If we get stuff right by the long logic, logic that's actually bad for us, by the way. If we get stuff wrong, but we have the right logic, I prefer that. 
Apart yeah, from the I mean, angry comments, I could do without them sometimes. But, yeah, yeah. Um, they, free engagement. It, well, exactly. King is always king. I, I'm not a big Peach fan. Shock horror that hasn't changed over the last couple of weeks or whatever. So there is always a possibility that the jungle diff just becomes very suffocating. But you know, that's not that fun to talk about, really, is it? I think we just all covered it in a few sentences. So it's what it is. Uh, I am going to predict a 2-1 Giant X victory. But I'm very aware this could easily go either way. Uh, this series could be absolute chaos. Um, Kira, what are you saying? 2-1 Giant X. But I don't think there's like a lot in it. But... I, I slightly prefer the carries on like Giant X and that, and when we're talking about bad like at like, not great level, that's kind of like where I go to. Um, cause I think the play patterns can sometimes be quite more random and like sporadic, and like individual like player form could be bad. But like if Mad Lions did win it, like it wouldn't be like some shock horror thing yeah. to me. But I would say XL two one. Ah. Uh... Well, I think Supernova are still pretty good, and I think that they're going to punish Patrick and Ignar, well, particularly Ignar and Lane, so that's already a bad start for Giant X. But then it depends if Frescovy does exactly the opposite for them, and there's a black hole of pressure in mid lane for Jackies to actually get a load of gold. So that could be a bit of an arms race, bot lane versus mid lane. I'm going to give it to Mad Lions, just because I think, again, I don't think Giant X are great at realizing what they're playing against sometimes, and what they need to do like strategically within a game. Um, you know, I think they're mechanically good, but, you know, there have just been enough times where I'm just like, hmm, that's not really what you should be doing in this matchup. Um, and I think Mad will give them way too many questions for that. I, Mad 2-0, sure. I have one question just before we leave here, which I'm, I'm genuinely not sure about. I'm asking it. I think, mm. I don't think I've seen, uh, so Giant X of four wins. I don't think they've lost a game from being ahead. Uh, I can check that. I could be wrong, but I think that they've closed every game they've had. Oh a my lead god! In. The um, they, uh, you're actually so you're in fact very wrong. They have a forty percent win Here rate when ahead at fifteen minutes. <laughs> but no, but is it like meaningful though, or like are they like? Are these like fucking 200 gold leads if it's or a, something? So if it's a, um, DF's a difference of 15 minutes, like that's after laning phase. I don't know exactly what their their average gold is pretty far behind. Let me let me check. I mean, check. being in a winning position, not like a. F oh, that know. might take a while for me to figure out. But like, yeah. But isn't there something that just said like? Doesn't it say what the gold leads are at 15 minutes? Um, I've got the aggregate for them, but then it's like trying to get all of them mm -hmm. is oh. a bit annoying me on that point but because uh, i wasn't obviously like i'm going off memory but i wasn't going off memory of like calculating the gold lead it's just watching the game and understanding like okay they're really ahead at this point i feel like they've not been really ahead and then lost games i feel like when they've been ahead they've won but obviously like all of those games that are on that list they could that could be less than a 1k gold lead right uh I mean, John, they won against Rogue, but they had an early game deficit against Mad Koi. They were pretty even up until, like, well, in fact, they went, they went behind and they came back for after that point, but it was only, like, a 1k deficit against Casey. They um, pretty much stayed ahead. Yeah, Casey was pretty much staying ahead, and then Vitality, the only other win that they had, and that was a roller coaster. So, I mean, they've had roller coaster games, I think, but I, I don't think it's necessarily like taking a lead and then rolling with it. Not, no, my, not, my point was my point was but... the inverse. So, like, I don't, 
I'm not aware of games where they've been meaningfully ahead and then lost, was my point. But I don't know if that's true or not. That, that's I, just how I felt. I, I, I can't remember enough. I can't think of like a throw. I can't think of like remember. a. I can't think of like a giant X throw. I'll put it that way. I mean, but... they they had the game versus G two, and they had like the game one versus G two, and they had like the big lead through through mid. They got giant X one. And they had the they had the game versus G two in game one, where they had a big lead through mid lane, and they threw that. That's the one game I can think of, which oh, I yeah. was not a fan of. So. There you go. There you go. Uh, right, so that's going to do it for us today, this week. Hopefully, that'll just be the first of many things I'm wrong about uh, as we approach. I'm no longer homeless. You've invited me back. Exactly. Yeah, I've, exactly. I've got a place again. And let it be known that this was not based on a cancellation. So I'm actually here. This is the legit yeah. one. This wasn't yeah. a GoFundMe charity project. It was just... Yeah, know. we do that next week. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, but anyway, uh, thank you guys all for watching, and we will see you next time.